Should I pinch it for you? I got it, man. Let me try it for a while. Welcome to Biggest Geek as we your host. I'm Randy. And I'm Joe. And I'm Patrick. And yeah, thank you. We got Patrick here today as a guest. This is episode 87 of our show. The date is Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. How are things, my brethren? Better than you, apparently, Mr. Yeah. Scratchy Throat. Well, it's not really scratchy. It's just, it's almost laryngitis. So it doesn't really hurt. It just kind of, I can't talky talky sometimes. Well, if you got laryngitis, I think you need to leave him alone. Uh, I love Larry too much. You has the pox. Stay away from me. No, nah, no. What you, would you text me today, Joe? That was funny. Unclean. 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 <laughs> so I'm drinking uh, tea with honey and lemon. And welcome to everybody. Looks like we got Lee Jen Martinson in the house. I'll have a few more. I think, I think Max posted to the wrong thread because. Uh, what's DS2? What is, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Nobody was talking about anything. And apparently we don't have anybody much here. Okay. So. That's good. Get with it, Max. Come on. Can talk. Everyone at Cabin Con is doomed. You know yes. it. <laughs> and what? And, and since you are listening now, what the hell does DS2 have to do with anything? What is DS2? That's what I want to know. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. Well, don't worry. Patrick's going to give us the lowdown tonight. Yeah. Now let's not That's start. Strange in the multiverse of sadness. <laughs> Patience, sir. We got lots of good stuff. Yes. Weirdos. DS2. That could be anything. Of yeah. course, we're talking about, or more more importantly, Patrick is, because neither of the other two of us have seen it. No. I don't think. No, I haven't, and I'm not going to. But. I listened to Critical Drinkers analysis, so I'll have a couple of comments, but nothing from direct. I have, I have pretty on the nose. Yeah, I have guesses, and that's... Um, about what's wrong with it. Um, but anyway. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, call-ins, emails, nope. Oh, we didn't get to say how we're doing. Oh, yeah. Only only you, because well, you're the one that's so important. That's true. Go ahead. Gimp. Anyway. Um, I haven't didn't game this week. You suck. Um, but there's going to be massive gaming this weekend. Yeah, baby. So, our boy Patrick's keeping it on the. And you the better make lines. it. Oh, I'm going to be there. I don't care if I have to snuggle up to Joe and get him sick too, but I'm coming. Uh, I'm, I'm not actually sick, folks. I got uh, laryngitis. I get this every year in the spring. So, my, uh, my couch. You know, you, you often hear that a lot at Captain Con. <laughs> <laughs> Viruses uh, run from me. True. So. How's, how's Patrick this week? How's your week been, bud? I am absolutely blasted tired. You look tired. I Working uh, hard? Yeah. Well, I've got to work for two people. Yeah, that's... Are you did, still you, got, did you lose somebody? Uh, mm, mm, mm. We know. We know. Okay, gotcha. Know. A good friend okay. of ours needed a little hat. Not going to call anybody out. Are you coming for sure Thursday, though? You're going to be there the first day? Oh, yeah, I, I have all my shifts covered. Sweet. Good deal. Uh, I'm going to be riding up with Larry Elliott. Oh, okay. Good deal. I tell you, as much as we can, I mean, if it rains up there, it may be a mess. So bring those boots. I think there's Saturday, there's a, some expected uh, thunderstorms. 
Okay. I didn't look up the weather for the area just here. Um, and it's supposed to be, I mean, today was only supposed to get into the 70s, but it got into the 80s. So weather yeah, for the area. It's supposed to be in the mid-80s. Uh, and it's supposed uh, to be, I mean, today was only supposed to get into the 70s, but okay. it got into the 80s. Who's yeah, doing that? Weather yeah. for the area. Somebody, somebody's got um, an audio problem. I fixed it. You better. Notice the fix. You better. I will. And Mark opened the portal to the multiverse of madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except this one was better. Okay. Columbia <laughs> Chavez. Saturday and Sunday rain. Okay. That's what Martinson says. Okay. Cool. All right. Shall All right. So, yeah. Why don't you jump us to the first segment, John? I'll take the second one. All right. So, we have no call ins and no email except for uh, the email account over at biggestgeekespodcast.com. Oh. Got some spam, Ooh. but we'll we'll keep that we'll keep that uh, down on the download. Get the uh, products out of there. Well, one of them looks like a um, yeah. We, we're going to talk twice as much as normal, right. which will make which will make it twice as twice that much better. Yeah, true. Um, so they were scams, both of them. Mm. So anyway, uh, apart from that sad news. Uh, on Twitter, there was a bit of a, um, well, I don't think the orc thing is still going on. No. So much on Twitter, in the Twitterverse, but violence in gaming did. And it got all kinds of people talking about it and yelling at each other. And I just made an innocent comment that violence uh, in the game is the game imaginary. It's all fake and it's just a game, so what? And do they lose their mind when uh, you when you defeat armies and risk? Is that too much violence? Right, right. <laughs> but the, but um, I only got a little bit of uh, pushback on that. Someone claiming that nobody believes that the uh, that the, the violence in the game is real. I'm like, uh, you haven't been to the world, have you? Yeah, we got <laughs> some crazy people. And, and of course, I, I was, uh, I was, it was demanded that I show them, you know, produce tweets and, and oh. such. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But uh, yeah, mostly it was, yeah, that's crazy talk because well, it is. It was that, you know, on RBG Pundit, they had that dude who, who made this tweet. I forget his name, Kitesman or whatever, but Pundit goes into great detail. But long story short, the guy clearly, I don't know if he's ever played DD, he doesn't seem like he's even read it. Because I don't know how you could think that. He definitely has never played it because he doesn't know, doesn't know what he's talking about. If it's the one he did a video on, it's uh, it's some Asian dude. And mm-hmm. I I tell you, I looked up his Twitter, and uh, he's an actual game designer and has designed a game called Rogue 2, which uh-huh. is a dungeon crawler. And guess what? It has combat in it, which no. makes him a hypocrite. No. A giant no. hypocrite. That doesn't seem possible, Patrick. Well, I think and what on his uh, his tweets and yeah, sure enough, he's complaining about uh, violence in D and D. Eh, whatever. I, I think what he's making it out, and this is what I think uh, RPG pundit was was saying was that he's saying that it's all the same. Violence is violence is violence. Imaginary violence is violence. Not imaginary violence is violence. It's all the same thing. Kind of a kind of a weird I don't know I don't know if it's a Marxist take or a 
postmodern take or just you know brain dead take but yeah well i mean brain dead not, take like silence is violence that kind of brain dead yeah take. right 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 that's uh and look um the idea i mean pundit made it really clear even if you want to give him let's say let's go down the murder hobo route pundit made it really clear here's the deal they play heroes even if your group doesn't play heroes that's the premise of the game um and you're out to vanquish evil at worst your mercenaries doing good things to get money um and uh i just don't think i don't know it just seemed it seemed it seemed inane to me the guy just seemed like a like an idiot yeah who knows he didn't he just he was try, i think he was also trying to sound intelligent somehow i don't yeah, know didn't, didn't, work, do. didn't work out for him not really as they say in in the biz he got ratioed yeah and uh, I, I watched Aaron's uh, the first like twenty minutes because everybody pretty much stated their their position on Aaron the Pedantics video. I'm uh, there's links here in the description whenever we're done. But was there anybody on there saying violence was super bad in D and D or that it was real or something? No, they were all like they're in the same thing we're saying. It's there and it's, it's part of the game. Really, no big deal. It's not even incredulity. It's just like, are you? Do you even know what you're talking about? Do you understand English? It's yeah. the modern thing to do, I suppose. Uh, right. Well, moving along because violence is. Uh, oh, and you know, there's folks that are. There's, I guess, there's a little more to it in, in that some folks were like, um, saying that. Uh, violence shouldn't be the first thing you do to solve a situation. And I'm like, uh, yeah, in the real world, but in the game, if that's how you want to roll, and then the D, if the, then the consequences of it are what the DM lays down by the reaction of the the person you're assaulting or whatever. Uh, and sure, you know, it could be that way if you're parlaying with like an intelligent species. Yeah. But, you know, a giant spider that's caught you in the web, it's its just going to try and eat you. You know, yeah. there's, there's no talking to the spider unless you're in Middle Earth. Yeah. And then it's only delaying the inevitable, most likely. <laughs> They'll take you to someone even more nasty. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently, and... I guess we're just, uh, oh, I've already got this. <laughs> I'm going to share this. Um, yeah. There's a couple of um, movies, um, a couple of sequels who went straight to uh, video for the D&D movie. And I didn't know one of them was a, a sequel. I think that it's kind of reach, kind of a reach in this article. But I'm going to share it. I just remember in one D and D movie, they lost their cleric really early. That was Wrath of the Dragon God. Yeah, <laughs> correct, Max. It's not violence if you do it to an orc. Correct. More, more on that later. Yeah. Because there will be more. Right. So, this article uh, talks about the the various movies that we've had that have the Dungeons and Dragons moniker. Yeah. And uh, according to uh, this author, you know, he goes into detail about the movies and their their relative merit, which isn't very much. Right. Uh, uh, 
and he's I guess it's because there's going to be another movie or there's supposedly going to be another movie. Right. And you could say that he's, uh, or, you know, maybe she, Whitney, who knows these days, Whitney. Um, It was a guy originally. Okay. Um, So maybe they're trying to say, you know, don't get too hyped up about a D and D movie because, you know, the last three and yeah. So he goes. He talks about the, the movies and whatnot, and then he goes into the sequels. Wrath of the, dra- of the Dragon. Seen, have you guys seen the sequels? I've seen Wrath of the Dragon God. Yes, I haven't I've, seen the Book of Vile Darkness. I've seen all three. It's yeah. probably the best Book of Vile Darkness and the well, short. Right. If if it's what I'm thinking, I think I've seen it, but it was on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So watch it on YouTube. Yeah, actually, so, I enjoyed the Mythica series much more than I did the D and D movies. Yeah, no, I couldn't get into Mythica, but I agree, Sean. Lady Hawk is still better. Yeah, agree. Oh yeah, Dragon Slayer. Yep, I'm I like Dragon. Oh Slayer. yeah, there's no comparison. Yeah, no, they're much better. Um, but I didn't know that the Book of Vile Darkness. I I get the name, <clears throat> but is this the one that's um? Maybe I'm confusing with another one because they I mean, literally used the Book of Vile Darkness. That was an artifact in third edition D and D, and may have been right. that may all go all the way back to TSR D and D, and that's part of the story. It's it's halfway decent. It's the shortest of the three, but it's halfway decent. So it's, it's not so the it's not the uh, the grim dark uh, not not Twilight. What's the name of the um, the grim dark D and D where the get bad guys win and you're hiding from the Hiding from the magic, oh, midnight. midnight. So they I thought have, they made a movie kind of after midnight. Yes, and I saw midnight. that, and it kind of ended abruptly, and was kind of not very good. So this I thought that's what this was actually supposed to be a pilot for a TV series. This uh, one is actually dark, though. Book of Vile Darkness is actually a pretty dark movie. Okay, so I mean, it's got a pretty edgy thing, but it's it's definitely more probably as good as any of the others. So <laughs> that what I'm talking about is not this. No, no. Okay, so. So I have not seen this. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's I mean, it's not. It's no. It's really not good though. Um, <clears throat> B movie. I I actually thought both sequels were better than the original. Oh, I was, sure. I was. Um, God, I hate to admit this, but I was I was terribly offended by the D and D movie. I hated Jeremy Irons. He was horrifically bad. I've heard people say they thought he was the best thing in the movie. He was not. He was the worst. He was overacting, and it was clear he didn't give two craps about D&D. And I'm kind of like, what the I guess it's just a payday for you. Okay. But he was horrible. I think he admitted that in an interview. This was just a payday for me. Well, not caring about D&D is one thing. Not caring about your work. That's what I'm saying. And that yeah. showed. He looked yeah. horrible. The guy, Damodar, with the purple lips was probably, minus the purple lips, was probably the best guy in the movie. Um, and then I thought, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They had the time, the the little uh, beholder um, minions. Watchdog, yeah. I'm like, who has a? I mean, I guess Jeremy Irons' guy is supposed to be a 20th level mage, so maybe. But dang, that's crazy. Yeah, how many do they have? They have like three or four. No, how would you buy that many beholder? Gary Gygax was one of the mages. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> well, that's well, kind of cute. So I probably yeah. didn't care either. Jeremy Irons uh, acting as Profion was 
had so much ham in it that it wouldn't be allowed within a mile of a bar mitzvah. And Thora Birch, I think she tried. She's just not a good actress. I think she spent most of the time screaming, I am not Queen Amidala. <laughs> I call that good, so. <laughs> yeah, but the others I thought were actually better D&D-like stories. Wrath of the Dragon God was actually kind of fun, but it was full-on super cheese. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, yeah. Complete. And, yeah, the uh, I guess the D&D movie, the first one, that spawned the sequels, right? As so, as uh, as they were, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess my biggest complaint was that a third level fighter could beat a tenth level fighter. Uh, yeah, um, the hero guy who was yeah. a weenie. Yeah, I mean, I did like the one thing we all agreed in my D and D group was this is back in our old group back in Charlestown uh, was that the fight between the thief and the fighter was perfectly done. I mean, you know, Damodar had that line whenever uh, who who played uh, oh, the, right. the funny the, one of the Wayans brothers, yeah. He, was, he gets ready to fight him and he's like, You must be joking. And right. I was like, Yep. Because that was second edition D D era, so I was like, you have zero chance to even a one on one fight, you're done. Well, at the very least the Dungeons and Dragons movie was better than this little sword and sorcery flick called uh, The Lords of Magic. I don't think I've ever seen that one. If you ever have the, if you ever get the chance, I think you need to watch it just as an experience to witness how truly terrible a movie about two wizards could be. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Max Boivin in the house. Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. I'm still here, guys. I'm just—it's horrific. Okay, it's way before your time, though. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Joe, you just triggered my wife. <laughs> she loves that movie. No, that, no, she 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 owns it. It is horrible. <laughs> Bo Svensson can't fight his wet way out of a wet paper sack. They have to have everybody off screen except for him and he's swinging his big two-handed sword all over the place. Oh, Shadzar is going to bring it to me. Here's right here. Bruce Payne was the biggest joke in the movies. Wrong. Jeremy Iron at least knew the movie from movie form from a game like that was was to be mocked. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I disagree. What verb tense is that? I don't know. Uh, I don't disagree with this. The failure was the writing. Yep. I didn't hate Damon Wayans. We got really different ideas, Shadzar. Director had no idea what makes a movie from. Okay, that's fair, but I didn't. I didn't hate Damon Wayans, and he could have been good comic relief, but he needed a lot of support around him. Good actors. Yeah. He could be funny periodically. He had too much time on screen. Was too significant at times. But I disagree. Oh Bruce, Payne, Bruce Payne was great. Jeremy Irons. Did you have both of them? <laughs> they didn't make a sequel, did they? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> uh, Apparently, they did. <laughs> Starring David Carradine. Oh my! Oh, he was in lots of great movies. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Oh, lots of choice movies. <laughs> um, was it transition? Sheds are the transition from two to three. I felt like three. Did three just come out? I thought it was two E. I think three was a new thing because okay. the, one of the promotions with the movie was that they they put out like the a little handbook that had. Um, all their of stats. The, their stats, the character yeah, stats. Yeah, yeah. Third edition. That's how we found out the main character was third level. 
Oh man, the tenth level guy. This is not good. Shadzar says Watsy was involved. Yeah, that's probably why it sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Martin says right here that Whitney guy was based on his home campaign. So, all right. Well, anyway, that's the history. We'll see. You know, I'm going to say one more thing about the Jeremy Irons crack. Um, Jeremy Irons had no idea about third edition, first edition, old D and D, any of that. No, I don't believe it. So thank you, Shadzar. Uh, yeah, it's but you know, hey, you welcome to your opinion. I think I thought I like Damodar the best. His I, um, he his son, uh, at least one of his children, a son, I think, um, asked him to be in the movie because he played D uh, and D. Uh, the interview, if I remember correctly, uh. He had never even heard of it. I had heard that Michael Keaton had the same situation when he got offered Batman. Right. And his little kid went crazy. And he said, he's like, oh, my God, I'm playing this dumb superhero. And he said, he, I remember him because I read some of the comics. And he was like, dang, this guy's kind of got, he's kind of deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's why, um, yeah. um, oh, my God, I just blanked on his name. Dave. Who? Uh, Dumbledore from the first Harry Potter movie was played by Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Uh, he took that role because his grandchildren like begged him to. Both the Dumbledores were good, but I liked him best. Too bad he passed. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. He's awesome, but okay. Well, and that's enough. So the new movie is probably doesn't have much to compete with, in my opinion. So I mean, you can argue if you can get past the woke bullcrap that you know is going to be in the new one is probably going to be uh, um, uh, probably just as bad. It might be better, though. Better special effects. They seem to be able to pull off. I, I guess another thing. Another, movies. Huh? The gamers' movies will be my D&D movies. <laughs> right. The, um, the other point this fellow made in the uh, article was that there's no real point to a Dungeons & Dragons movie because there's nothing specifically D&D to be put in a movie because no, no, hold on. Um, uh, he said, you know, he's not talking about the settings. He's just talking about the game. So if you're just saying Dungeons and Dragons, what is that? Um, can you say Forgotten Realms? Maybe. Yeah. But he didn't even say that. He just said Dungeons and Dragons doesn't have a specific thing you can make a movie out of. And it's, it's, it's yeah, just, you know, generic fantasy. Well, I'll give Shadzar a little props here. Maybe that's what he's saying. Jeremy Irons knew the move from a game like that was to be mocked. Well, I would say this much. I remember my gaming group here when I just moved to Michigan. I think he's right. I think it was 2000 or so. Um, we went to watch it together, and I was thinking, why are they? and I was upset they were calling it Dungeons and Dragons. It would have been better to call it Greyhawk. That would have sounded more like a movie. Or the Forgotten Realms. I agree with that guy. That's a good statement. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Just he's right. Calling a movie Dungeons and Dragons is a bad idea. I, yeah, just use some of the lore from one of the worlds, like you're saying. Yep. Any of them. The world. You can make a decent movie out of any of them if you just tried. You know, or, you or, or if, you and if you were faithful to the dang IP in the first place. That or be. if you want to make a movie called Dungeons and Dragons, I really think the gamers did it best. You integrate the game and the movie together, and you know, make a make a, a thing. Parody. Yeah, 
But I yeah. think you, I think I'm with Joe. I think you could tell a really good fantasy story from some of the IPs. I think Max would love to see the City of Doors as a movie. <laughs> oh yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, love City of Doors. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. What's what's next? Oh, there is. Uh, Uh, an in, an interesting uh, uh, what's it called um, crowdfunding campaign going on. Yep. Um, it it's itch funding for itch.io. Yeah. Which I, I I didn't know they had a crowd a crowdfunding uh, deal in there. Mm-hmm. I knew that that you can um, you can publish stuff there and share it and whatnot. But I didn't know they had crowdfunding, which is interesting. Um, we deal in lead, and it is, according to to uh, to some, it is um, what is that Stephen King property, um, Dark Tower, a Dark Tower uh, uh, made into an RPG. So you are a gunslinger. I was I was actually surprised by this because. There is a another uh, crowdfunder funding a game called The Return to the Dark Tower, and it is a role-playing game based off of the board game IP. And I thought that's what, what this was, but nope, this is Stephen King. Yeah. Okay, you're a gunslinger, post-apocalyptic. Uh, the, the rules are based on something called Cairn or Into the Odd. Yeah. Oh, I've heard of Into the Odd. I've heard of Nave, but I haven't heard so of Into I. the Odd. And, uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. To me, the more interesting thing was the crowdfunding. But uh, the because uh, I, I haven't read it. I, I've read, I think Eyes of the Dragon is supposed to be part of the Dark Tower verse. Yeah, but I've not read any of the actual Dark Tower books. Well, our buddy uh, Silent Josh is a huge fan of Stephen King. I actually like what I, I've not read much of it. I have a hard time reading Stephen King. I find him kind of annoying, but I like I like his ideas. I've actually liked his movies overall more than his books. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I might back that one because I think the setting is kind of cool. But I don't know what kind of group you would play. I have to talk with Silent Josh about it this weekend. He let me know. Cause I, I, we didn't put this on our list, but there's also a, I think free league's doing a blade runner. Yes. Yep. Patrick, Patrick and I have gone back and forth with another friend of ours, Tim Scott this week. Um, well, I'm, um, I am backing uh, blade runner uh, as a proxy for Jeff. <laughs> Oh, and okay. uh, I'm I'm piggybacking off that for an opportunity to get uh, more of free league stuff. Ah, yeah. Well, I think uh, Mr. Max Boivin has the new D and D movie perfectly down. This new D and D movie will be about a stunning and brave black trans woman and her fight against white supremacy, guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that for me, the more interesting part about the story, though, is how Itch does its crowdfunding. How does that work? Well, with uh, more traditional or more, I don't know if you'd call uh, uh, Kickstarter traditional, they were the, fir- the first main, they call it mainstream, yeah. is you have a window, and once you get to that window, you're done. You have to make your funding by a particular date. 
Oh, okay. Itch funding does not do that. Oh, it just you just keep going until you meet your your um, meet your um, your target money money wise, and uh, otherwise it seems pretty pretty similar. You have you know goals and different things you can get, but uh, right that seems to be a little more uh, in the creator's favor. Because yeah. there's not the onus of you have to get it done by this date or fails. Yeah. So to me, that was that was more interesting. Uh, yeah. Mainly because I don't know much about Dark Tower. Yeah, I, I don't. Like the, I like the art on here. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, know, I don't. it's not the most fantastic ever, but it's certainly interesting. Whoops. Uh, boom. There we go. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic for sure. Distinctive, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's dark. Yes, and gritty. It's long as gritty. All righty. So what's our last little bit? I didn't title that one. It's something about diversifying gaming. That was interesting. Yeah. 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 This is awesome. <laughs> oh, you might want to. If you're showing the outline, dude, don't give away our secrets. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it was diverse. Well, I was like, I think recently Gen Con gave away a scholarship to gamers of color. Okay, so yeah, uh, this is it's interesting. So the title is "A New Wave of Grants is Building More Diverse Tabletop Scene." Right. Uh, you know in a very superficial way. I was going to say, how are they really so money to be, like just Ooh. granting funds to let people make games? Well, it talks about um, where is it at? If this is the right article, I hope it is. Uh, okay, you've moved the thing away. Right, so Tyler Crumley Crumrine, uh, founder of a, a Possible Worlds, Worlds Games. Uh, yeah. They are launching a creative exchange program and funding people to, you know, uh, make more RPGs, right? Yeah. And uh, to grant an author and an artist um, these things, right? So... The idea is that you get unknowns out there and people who are underserved, um, underrepresented. Right, right. Right. Well, these two people, Lene Sturt, if I'm pronouncing these two people, uh, an author and an artist, apparently. Yeah. Well, it goes into their pedigree and they're not unknowns. They 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 uh, are established creators in the space of RPGs already or whatever they do. Okay. So it's not like these are, they're unknown maybe to you and I. Right. But they're not unknowns. Yeah, so, there's probably some other motivation behind that. So there's that part that I thought was kind of um, crappy. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose you don't want to just give it to anybody who says I'm an artist. Right. But somebody who has lots of cred under their belt already, what is this doing? Yeah. This is just giving them more cred and perhaps somebody else who's talented and just you know doesn't have any exposure yet 
right. I thought that's what this was about, giving somebody who's talented but less exposed some exposure. But no. <laughs> no, it seems apparently not. Yeah. But something I, toward the bottom of the article I thought was kind of funny. Uh, when you see community-funded games like Wonder Home and Thirsty Sword Lesbians oh, geez. becoming pillars of the scene. <laughs> pillars. <laughs> it lets marginalized groups who have historically been particularly gatekept from TTRPGs. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> No, that lets them know not only are people like me welcome here, the things I want to make uh, also might find a meaningful audience. Oh, yeah, the things I want, my the things I want to say matter. Oh, yes, and the things I'm, I want to play are worth creating. Uh, you know, those who have been historically been gate kept from TTRPGs, I want to see some receipts on that. Yeah, no kidding, get over yourself. So you've got probably some people who were because you know some people get bullied. Well, sure, not, assholes everywhere. And then and then that gets blown up into a big you know massive everybody gate keeps people they don't like out of the hobby as if they couldn't just go get their own game and invite some of their friends over that aren't going to uh, make fun of them or whatever. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I mean, despite the moniker of gatekeepers that we do with uh with uh max now and again yeah uh we can't keep somebody from playing any game they want to play in their in their home or at a game store we can't do there's no way for us to do that sheds are how are the gay and lesbian gate kept when the white wolf created vampire yeah no kidding yeah yeah so it's it's a it's a stupid it's very stupid yeah completely done. So I think the reason I I wanted to bring this up is because this is still something that people believe for some reason. Even even let's say it it might have let's say it might have been true. Yeah. Back in the day. Right. Certainly now after the last 10 years of of us getting uh beat over the head with you must accept us crap. And now these folks often are leads in all these companies yeah. to one degree or another, how can they really keep, how can they keep, you know, yammering about it when they're the ones in charge of it? Yeah. It's stupid. It is. It is. Like any, like any media space, they just constantly need something to whine about. Hmm. Yeah. All right. You want to give them the X sign, Joe? Oh, Yes. We can do. <laughs> we want you to be a part of this, man. We love having people here. Subscribe. Yeah. Out there. Subscribe, like, share, yeah. comment. Do all that stuff. All that Take it up mm -hmm. All right. So let's move into the, sort of the main topic here. We got kind of two tonight. Um, the first one, we're going to do the the opposite of the counter we did last week for the love of the game what we love like about dnd nothing we hate it. Uh, it forget it we're done good night we're done. <laughs> Short topic. Yeah. <laughs> and just like last week os um original dnd is pretty hard for us to say much about it because we didn't play it but for me the only thing i can say looking back on it, it was clearly visionary 
It was a visionary game. It was the, one of the first of its kinds, the first one to have any kind of publishing power. Um, and uh, I don't know about the rules and stuff, but I did appreciate um, the creation of a game that I, a type of game that I really loved and played for 40 plus years. It was the spark for the hobby, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of competitors, but I mean, at the time, but uh, they all in their own way were a spark. I mean, they might, the hobby, it'd be interesting to see what the hobby would look like without any one of them, especially D&D. Especially D&D. I think it would yeah. be, I don't know how much our, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say it wouldn't be, but it'd be, it'd be set Certainly back. be different. We'd be set back a decade, I think. <laughs> at least some but uh any other comments for you guys or you guys didn't play original D D either did you patrick uh actually that was the first thing that was given to me was uh the basic set no i'm talking uh, the talking the three white books oh no 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 that's what uh, i mean mine, mine were the uh the the red and blue boxes basic and expert yeah um rule cyclopedia um what did, what do you remember when you first saw those? What was your what did you love about them? Can you do that? I've got a bunch of stuff, but I want you guys to go. I I guess it was kind of my uh, first introduction to fantasy, other than uh, novels like The Hobbit and uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, right and. Um, you know, the thought of being able to play my own versions of those uh, was appealing. But then again, I it was around second or third grade that I picked up the, the hobby. Right. You started as a youngling. How about you, Joe? Oh, yeah. I already said it's just what I like about it, even though I didn't really play. I like that it sparked the hobby. It got the hobby going. Well, I'm, okay, I'm talking more about Beckme now. Okay, so yes, for rules, uh, the rule cyclopedia and Beckme, yeah, those games, the ones that we, the ones we actually cut our teeth on. You didn't need chainmail. What's that? You didn't need chainmail for those. That was great. Yes, not needing chainmail was a beautiful thing. Um, it was a bit more of a fleshed out game to be sure, especially with rules compendium when it combined them all into one thing. There yeah. wasn't really much you had to to do with it unless you just had some pet peeves or whatever. Um, and I liked the three alignment system. Yeah, I like, and I and I, I had a I've had a little back and forth about that online <laughs> yeah. compared to the nine alignment system. Oh, because I've said the three alignment system is superior to the nine alignment system. Oh, and I didn't give anything else besides that. Right. Uh, sometimes less is more. People were like, "Yeah, right on, man," and other people <laughs> were like, "No, <"Go>, stupid." <laughs> and I'm like. What else? Edition Wars. And, it's, and the thing is, and, and someone said that, oh, it's about that. And I'm like, no, no, because you can use the three system, three alignment system, yep. with just about any. You can port it over with very little issue. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's the, uh, as long as you're talking about uh, old D and D up through second edition. Yeah. It was uh, there's all that portability in between. Yep. Uh, after that, maybe not. But I think in right. third edition, you could probably still. You'd do have the to, three yeah. alignment. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. No. I I have to admit, when I first saw the booklet, I came home from church and my cousins were playing. I was introduced by my cousin Rodney and I saw the cover, the red cover of the basic set. 
And I was just like, oh my God. I mean, it just drew me in that Eero Otis, uh, I think it's Eero Otis, his design. And I thought, man, that is so cool. And I was drawn, immediately drawn to the monsters, not the characters. I didn't look at the wizard. I didn't look at the fighter. I was like, dragon. Then I saw that slimy carrying crawler crawling in the background. I mean, I was like, I, I flipped to the monster book immediately. And I was, I mean, I was just like, that is unbelievable. Eero Otis really, really captured pulp fantasy. I think he's the the prototypical pulp fantasy. Very enjoyable. Yeah. And I thought uh, I thought also the Magic Items were the next thing that drew me in. I just thought it was really cool. It got me thinking about, you know, what would a character do with this and that. And I just um, I don't know. I was I was blown away by the whole thing. I mean the different classes and the idea of playing a hero and a character it didn't even bother me that you know elves elf was a class it just didn't cross my mind it just seemed fine elf was an elf yeah. didn't really think about it a whole lot oh. no nah. but then again we were 13 true and we time. played that for years and then the first edition come in and i want to start this one off because i remember joe and i sitting on the porch on my porch my grandmother's porch and i got the first player's handbook in the group and Joe was slipping through it, and he was like, ninth level spells. Because we didn't get past X. Right. We right. never got to Companion or Masters or Immortal. We went straight to Player's Handbook, and we were like, oh, my goodness. And then we saw the Paladin, and that's my favorite class of all time. So that's what I love. One of the things I really love about First Edition, bringing the Paladin in. Right. Although we have some gripes concerning that and how closely worded it is to cleric as far as yeah. the class description yeah yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking when i'm talking about my loves i'm thinking more yeah, when yeah. i started playing it and you know we could tear it down but i still loved it yeah and, um for first edition yeah that was the cool thing um i think what did i put down here for first edition because it has been a long time and since we've played the first edition as is and that and that was in 13 uh how were we when we got when we started playing well shadzar asked a good question did you wait for years yeah i have to admit i didn't i didn't understand for the longest time that there was a difference between basic dnd and advanced dnd i never yeah. saw, i never saw the books in the stores it was actually a high school friend mm -hmm. i knew and i knew no difference between between mincer and beckley that meant nothing to me um at that time um, and we had a high school friend so we must have been 14 freshmen uh, and I remember he sold me that player's handbook, the theme folio, Danger at Dunwater, and a bag of dice for ten bucks. So it must have been just a year later. Yeah, a couple, a year or two. We played a quite, year or two. We played quite a bit out of the Reddit, the basic connection. Oh, sure, but then again, we played like God every weekend, Friday to Sunday. I mean, mm -hmm. we, you know, after school and summer, the whole summer D and D, summer D and D. I'm almost yeah. I read the player's handbook first, but I didn't read all of it. Joe quickly borrowed it. And he devoured it. So, yeah. And quickly found out we had no idea how to play. Well, not for a couple of years, but <laughs> remember we saw, oh, God. We couldn't. Hey, we're supposed to roll for hit points. What? <laughs> what roll for hit points? Uh, it was funny. It was funny. I don't throw canna. I like the drow in that. I like level limits on on humans. I actually did back then. Yeah, yeah. And save or die. Love those spells. I, don't know so why. There, I guess we didn't get to the high enough level spells, but I'm sure 
there were save or die in in the older versions. Like there was death death spell. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. We just never, we just didn't get to that. But we did get. I mean, sleep was kind of save or die. Yeah. Now we got. No, it wasn't. It was or die because there was no save. Right. I was uh, when I got the monster manual on DMG. Now the monster manual, monster manual one eight. I read that thing. Gosh, I just would read it constantly. And one time, I wouldn't say I had it memorized, but I could quote a lot of ACs and hit dice and hit points of a lot of monsters. <laughs> it was a lot easier. I mean, the numbers were smaller, and the and there were fewer things to memorize. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, I think because first edition, uh, that's where you got a lot of the iconic, uh, especially the named spells. I'm not. Sh- I don't think they were like that in the rules compendium, like uh, Big Bees and and uh, Melfs and all that. All the different uh, named wizards and stuff that came in uh, advanced D and D because that came out of Gary's can- campaign. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, all that iconic stuff. Uh, well, I guess the, a lot of the monsters were back in old D and D as well, and in the basic through immortal. You know, like the beholders and. And, and and such. Well, what were mind flayers, or were that was that a first? Uh, that edition? was one eight, yeah. Yeah. So mind flayer, the mind flayer was one of the coolest monsters, I think. Oh yeah. Um, and then some of the iconic adventures. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the modules, man. The modules. I mean, a lot of people will poo-poo on the modules. The modules are playing D and D. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Uh, but having yeah, a lot of people say that. But yeah, uh, but um, but. Having the modules out gave a a common uh, parlance amongst gamers. So, yeah. did you did you guys go through the um, Lost, Caverns. Through Lost Caverns of Sojanth or or this that or the other thing the um, Isle of the Eight Isle of the Eight Temple of Elemental Evil Yeah right and, and you could all say Yeah I mean I died right in the first room with the yeah. uh, the mouth with the open mouth uh, thing and. Uh, had another character uh, get eaten by the, the green slime in the pool. Yeah. Oh, I just wait out there. Oh, you get eaten. <laughs> yeah. So is the, the character that playing through modules is not real D and D? Yeah, people that will like say that. OSR thing. Uh, it's them and others. Well, there's some people that want to tell you're not a real DM if you use modules. So I'm like, eh, do whatever you want, man. I ain't got time for that crap. So I, I like modules. I'm a I'm a module dude. Yeah, modules are cool. And then they give you, they give you that cool um, common ground that you can talk to a lot of different gamers about. And we camaraderie, but we yeah. we didn't just play modules. No, 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 no. And a lot of times you just stuck a module inside of a campaign. Yeah, yeah, you were doing something. I said, oh, this would be a good place to make people yeah. believable. This would be a good place to. And sometimes you guys would request it. Hey, can yeah. we run people of elemental evil? Like, okay. It had been enough time, and strangely enough, I just don't think we. I think because maybe I didn't run it the same way, and not on purpose. It was just I remember like I would read it for the second time and completely missed a, a significant part. Totally agree. <laughs> yes, Darth, we are in agreement, one hundred percent. Yeah, having the modules allowed for a shared universe for players of different game groups. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember going to Gen Con the first time people talking like that. Did right. You ever say, you know, Barrier Peaks, which I think that was one module I never ran. Those expeditions of the Barrier Peaks. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think you, I think you didn't run it because you didn't like the sci-fi aspect. Correct. So. I bought it. I mean, I was yeah. Mr. Get to the store as soon as possible and buy stuff. But, um, yeah, I did not. 
did not run it because I was so disappointed in it. War stories. Yes, sir. Darth. You know, as an old gamer, it's interesting Darth said that. We've talked about this on a side note. I think my enjoyment of the game now is half playing it and half talking about playing it. And not just for the podcast, just in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at us, you know, with Cabin Con and all the games we've played together. We, yeah. we still have old war stories about stuff that happened. You know, some of us have half our characters. Uh oh. I didn't hear you, Patrick. Heard a big drop something. You knocked off your, knocked yeah. your uh, <laughs> microphone accident. <laughs> um, you know, some of us remember, you know, half our characters being killed by a box with a banshee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, I, I think, honestly, that's probably my fondest memory of 1E and what I love the most were the adventures. What And they would always add a monster to. Um, Lost Caverns added the Behir. I remember you guys nearly pooped when you first fought it because you thought it was just a big lizard and then it breathed light and you're like, what? It's not a dragon. I'm like, nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So on to... Hold on for a Before we leave this, I, I mean, Shadzar's, I think he's trying to start a debate, which is fine. We don't share a single game. We have a game system that happens at various tables. Like, oh, I don't disagree with that. No, no. That's that's fair. I'm just saying we had a shared experience. I, so I think the reason we could sh compare notes and share those yeah. stories is because we understood this is my table and that was your table. And yeah. what happened at our different various tables were, you know, not the same thing. Yeah. How did you guys defeat the demon web pits? Yeah. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, D and D is not a community, but there are communities within D and D. Sure. The hobby. Yeah, small ones. I yeah. think the Cabin Con company is though. Yeah, that we have a, semantics. Yeah, so we have our community here in Bay City. We also kind of, I don't really care to call the online groups communities exactly, but they're. They're kind of close to that, but it's they're not they're not the same either. We got some super cool people on our. They are they are people uh, who seek to play a similar system with somebody else. Yeah. I I mean I I would think the same thing of you know going to your friendly local game store and picking up a game of D and D from with complete strangers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about second edition? Yeah, first of all, we get to, do you remember when we filled that uh, survey out? Did you do that, Joe? Yeah, I was with you. I was uh, I was there for that. How about you, Patrick? Did you guys fill the survey out in Dragon Magazine for second edition? No? Nope. Yeah, they had a survey. Uh, they were switching to second edition. and they It must have been 100-something questions longer. I think it was 89 questions. And we sat for about an hour as a group and just kind of – I had one copy of it, so we filled it out together. That was interesting. Oh, yeah, it's true. Well, we should shout out to Legacy Game Mastering. Thanks, Shadzar. Remember, Joe, I told you, Legacy actually um, used Joe's statement that D&D is not a community. Yeah, that's, that's a tweet that he used. Yeah, Legacy Game Mastering. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're saying uh, we're saying anything different. Yeah, we're, we're not saying it is. Oh, we got, got a debate. Cal says sharing the same interests as a community. Mm. Okay. Fair enough, whatever. I don't think it is. I mean, but it's... It's not, who cares? It's words, right? It's, it's, it's labeled however you want. But I think we, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't think we have a community as a. I'm not. I'm not in a community with every D and D player. No. But when we do get together, where we get together at, either online, at a convention, My or in your hometown, your home, 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 your home base. Yeah. We can have shared stories, and we can all compare notes about when we went through um, the various modules, or just fought a particular kind of monster. Yeah. Or, or, or we can share differing notes on different styles of play. So, and all that's good stuff. You know, and I think it's it's a little bit of just choice of words. Mr. Boivin says, I feel like the people in your chat and Legion of Myth chat and other gatekeepers chat is kind of a community. Always the same people. We kind of know each other. Yeah, I mean, that's true. We we do know each other. Again, you use community with community. I feel like there's something a little bit uh, stickier, but I, I do think we're developing as a large group. I mean, I see the same people on all the different, you know, podcasts and shows. So, yeah, I mean, I... I don't. I can't totally disagree with that. Right. Yeah. So second edition. Yes. Um, I remember the survey. Yeah. What I don't remember is knowing really anything about any of the controversy going on at the time. Yeah, I didn't get any of that, even though it did saw a big change. Oh, you mean the controversy, the satanic panic part? No, not that part. More okay. the uh, kicking Gary to the curb part. No, I didn't hear that till it was already done. It was, it was way later. I think not until really until third edition came around. For me, mm. I felt like I did have an idea that that happened somewhere. Um, Thankfully, I experienced very little of the satanic panic. And yeah, it I, didn't hurt my me. Mom was, my mom had her like initial worries, and then she she met my friends and stuff, and she realized just how goofy all the fears were. And we passed around the chick track and laughed about it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a joke. And they're like, no, this is real. Like, Holy crap, this is stupid. Yeah. He hasn't read the rules. He <laughs> of course that's what a dummy would say, like I was. He didn't read the rules. He should know that he that uh, you don't uh, that's not the power you get at six six level. You had to kill your parents, then you'll make six level, something like that. It was stupid. Nice. But yeah, um, I'll, what I um, the biggest thing I remember about second edition is the level caps. So I'm not the best person to talk about likes about second edition. Yeah, well, I I like the level caps initially. The spell level caps. My thought was yeah, spell level caps. I thought that was good. Um, Darth made a comment that I agreed with. He said um, he liked the ecologies in the monsters manual. Yeah, I really liked the monsters manual, both versions, the hardback and the what was that original binder type thing. Um, that came at. Uh, I think that came as a result of the survey, perhaps. The binder started. The binder was first, but then folks complained, and they and then they. Well, I mean, the ecologies part. People wanted more info on the monsters. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see here. Uh, I think also in second edition, especially priest, I was a big fan of. I love the color of the monster manual, um, and the settings, dude. I was in love with the settings. Loved them. They were coming out with them left and right. I thought they were great. I was snatching them all up. <laughs> um, Thaco was nice. I appreciated Thaco. was better than The Matrix. Um, we played this the full run, dude. We played from beginning to end of second edition. Yeah. 
so we didn't miss a beat. And the Dungeon Mag, I think Dungeon Mag, the Dungeon Magazine come out during first edition. It may have. But that's when I came into my own. I was collecting. Yeah, I don't know the timeline on that. We got subscriptions, and I was really into it like crazy. Yeah, stuff. you were. So I loved it. I, I read them cover to cover. I was into it. So yeah, those were my f- favorite things. And I know you played second, right, Patrick? That was your big game. So I was uh, trying to get my wife to come and feed Morgan Kane and like, <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. What was the question? I'm sorry. Uh, second edition. What you? What you? I know you played the crap out of that, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say is your favorite <clears throat> things about second? If you remember, I don't think I have anything mechanical that I yeah. can say was my my favorite thing. Um, but it kind of did cement my views of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, to the point where, you know, three did some good things, but I'm. <laughs> not really convinced it's it's the the D &D i used to know what's that uh it's cemented uh second edition cemented my views of the dungeons and dragons experience uh to the point where when third edition came around although (laughs) it did good things it kind of wandered away from the D &D I, i used to know and uh, now we're kind of trying to walk that back. Yeah, I think so. Um, anything you think of? So, again, I like the specialty priest. Um, uh, what is this? I, I oh. think second edition saw better production quality in, in the overall in the books. Yeah. And there might be some snafus here and there, but overall better production quality. Oh, yeah, Bruce says my favorite thing was the three pre-spell books, the four wizard books of spells, and the four-volume magic encyclopedia. That was... Man after my own heart. That was crazy. You know, there are so many garbage spells in those books. It's, I mean, how many fire spells? I'm going to step away, guys. I'll be right back. It's just, uh, I understand you can pull lots of stuff from there, but... I, I was looking through them because uh, I got them too back in the day because I was I was a I like playing wizards I still do and uh, so I got those and I was like ah oh, I'm gonna force- I was gonna say Joe are you cheating on me yeah I was gonna force Randy to make to to be let me use these spells out of this and then I and then he was like no 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 okay uh, wasted money <laughs> but. Uh, some of the spells are so ridiculous. Like, you know, the yeah. spell that turns chicken. I'll let you use every spell. <laughs> no. That that doesn't come from this book here that I have, so it so it don't count. It don't count. But uh I at this point I understand. But um it's not I guess on one hand, having a large volume of material gives you lots of things you can pluck from that and make up your setting or your your homebrew world cool perhaps but boy those books have such crap in them yeah there was and the pages were, do, am i remembering this correctly the pages were very very thin paper and if you yeah. turned them too fast you could easily rip them 
at least the like, ones I have downstairs, they're they're just like that. You delicate paper. I thought they were beautiful. You have the white gloves and shit when you turn the pages. I thought the books were beautiful, but I think Kill Raven's got the right of it. Magic Item Encyclopedia was far worse with regard to being full of goofy junk. I believe it. I think I've read through that a bit, and yeah. A lot of it's, you know, perhaps has a bit of flavor to it. But to me, I look at a, a, a Magic Item or a spell, what can it do? And if it does something that's pretty much what this other spell does, but it has a different flavor to it, I mean, why have it? Oh, dude. And they got me, Shad's are. Spell books were a money grab like the decks and the player screens. I never bought the player screen, but I did find the deck of spell cards. I actually used that quite a bit. The player screens. I thought that was a little pretentious. What do you need a screen for? I know. <laughs> well, because the DM's got one, it's only fair. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got to be the same. Equal, not 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 fair, but equal. Sorry. That was the beginning of the equity plague. Ooh, maybe, <clears throat> maybe. Well, it was back in that day, that era when I've said about I've talked about this article before, yeah. where they were talking about how the books should start having she as a pronoun in it. <laughs> why, why is it always he? Why is it always he? Well, because you don't understand how to write. That's why. <laughs> um, a little bit back, Bruce said, especially priests I felt were great in Faiths and Avatars. I had all three of those extra booklets. For, and I think they were neat. They didn't. I was really impressed with them initially. They didn't end up being as good as I had hoped for. But they did have some really good ones. There were definitely clearly ones that were better than others. But that makes sense. I mean, even though you find it frustrating, I mean, if you're a if you're a god of peace and you know, uh, if you're a pacifist deity, your priests aren't going to be as good as fighting as like a war god. You're just not going to be. Or for the munchkin in you, there's the spells and powers book where you can just give yourself all the spheres you need. Yeah, and that's when I really was saying, I got to punt on this thing because Joe knows he bought those and I was like, nope, I'm not using Well, them. I got them because they were player options, right? Sure. They're one of the player option book. So I got that one. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, let's let's read through this. And I didn't get a chance to look at it much before coming home from, it was, had to have been after my job training, AIT in the military. Now, there's some truth. Kill Raven. If you were into Realms Lore, the Three-Face and Avatar, yeah, they were gold. Yeah, there's lots of lore. Lots of lore, yeah. But, uh, so, after getting back home and starting really getting, starting to really get into the book, after I looked at some of the wizard options, I was like, this is weird. Yeah. I mean, hey, we have a spell point system. That's not really a spell point system. Right. Uh, yay, thanks. Uh, let's make it even more complicated spell act- allocation system mm-hmm. for you because, you know, we have wizards. spell casting with more steps. Yeah, no thanks. That was weird. Um, and then... I thought it was I thought it was to my advantage, but then when you really think about it, it's like stupid. The whole you can take your strength stat and um, take away your ability to carry heavy things and make your ability to hit things harder better. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. It doesn't. It's really dumb. It's really splitting dumb. each one of the stats into two subtypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, was that a preview of the? Um, archetypes from Pathfinder because that was a kind of cheese ball crap. Well, 
it's cheese ball stuff, but I don't know if it's that. But I'm just saying, I wonder. I mean, to me, that seems like a predecessor to that. But you know how much I hate the archetypes on Pathfinder, right? Such right. Bruce spell points uh, are superior to Vancian spell casting, but they have to be spell points, a true one, not one like in spells and powers. Welcome, Larry Elliott. Uh, and you can't get that many. If you have lots of spell points, it becomes kind of a cheese game for you. Yeah. Can I, uh, Mr. Elliot, can I, can I share some of your news or do you want to share it or do you want me to keep it on the down low? He's got some pretty cool news, but he may not be ready to share it. Oh, did he win the lottery? Is he sharing it with us? He's given us all the money. That's right. Oh, he's won $10 yes. million. He's paying for Cabin Con, and we're going to do it in Florida this year. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But since we know that's not happening, that cannot be the no. truth. So I won't, I, won't, I won't spill the beans. He might want to surprise everybody at Cabin Con. It's pretty cool. All right. Um, oh, he said go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Mr. Larry is a grandfather. Oh, Okay, hey, cool. Congratulations. Yeah, his daughter just had a baby, so that's Van. Groovy. Is, yeah. Congratulations, Larry. Randall Larry. He's officially old. So all right, let's move into Watsy D D. Okay. Do we uh, have to? We have to. Now, Joe, let's be honest. When it came We about, liked it back in the day. We, we did. Loved it. I we tell you. It. The things I still like about it, better than second edition. And I know I want to get some crap for this. I could actually use my stupid miniatures and maps, and it made sense to actually use them. We were right. literally counting squares for movement. And we got into third-party support that was officially okay with the OGL, and it le- led to some really good variants. So, Yeah, I think the OGL, while initially there was a huge glut of crap that came out, mm-hmm. Um, there were some clear uh, superior products. Yeah. One, and, and that's fine. That's actually a good thing that a lot that happened. And you had all these people kind of competing in the same space. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, you know, unfortunately, you had game stores that, that picked it picked it up and it ended up gathering dust for them. Yeah. But that's how that's how markets work. And the OGL so, allowed the OSR. Yeah. It allowed it. Yeah. Wow. I didn't like the aesthetic. A third edition. Really? Yeah. Something about the art direction and just the way things were put together just, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Some people, there were lots of editions only exacerbated that. Lots of spikes and buckles and and stuff like that. Yeah. But I still, I think that the the third edition books were a a continuum of a higher quality uh, product. In yeah. general, uh, um, as uh, far yes. as typesetting, layout, and art, and all that stuff. Shadzar, I don't know about that, dude. I'm talking about the clones and stuff. You can still play old school role playing, but I think the OGL, I think you had to have that. Did, are you sure, dude? To actually make the OSR products back in the day. I think you did. I'm pretty sure I don't you think did. Swords and Wizardry and Labyrinth Lord would come out, but okay. Uh, SCOTUS games? What are SCOTUS games? SCOTUS. SCOTUS. Uh, Supreme Court of the United States. Supreme oh, Court. game rule. Ah, okay. So here's a question for you, homeboy. Um, if that was the case, then why didn't they uh, make those games back during second edition? Why not make more of their own clones and, and variants and this little change and lamentations and all that stuff? I think I think you're wrong. Because, because, oh, because Wizards was very, I mean, uh, 
TSR and Wizards. They were very Sue happy, if I remember right. correctly. Unless SCOTUS maybe, did SCOTUS maybe rule during that time? Yeah, the ruling came. The ruling came. Uh, oh, okay. Fair enough. TSR is correct. I don't that I'm not an expert. Game rules cannot be copyrighted. I know. But the literature, the artwork, and the intellectual property can all be copyrighted but game rule game mechanics and game rules cannot okay okay so that means that then so lamentations labyrinth lord swords and wizardry none of that has am, am i wrong then they none of them have the ogl commented in them is that what it was oh okay no well, i don't know so I thought that was a big deal. I'm staying corrected. Um, I liked the build game initially. I liked matching wits with the players initially, even though there's really none of that. That's not really a thing because the DM can always win. But I tried to be fair but still sort of challenge you mechanically. Um, the build game did bring about a whole new class of role player, a whole new type of that guy that uh, that comes with, preloaded with uh, so many stupid uh, picked feats and game-breaking crap. I mean, I, I used to work with a guy who would make the most ridiculous builds for Pathfinder, and it's like, I think you're abusing rules as written. Hmm. I, I tell you what, though, um, I did enjoy it. What does it say? Shad's are watch. You got to keep the the word mark tap, but nobody can be denied turning a game card sideways. Oh, OK. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Watsy sued this uh, one uh, digital card game called I think it was called Hex. And the lawsuit had so many things in that that were like, if Watsy wins any of this, no other games in the world can be made. Like, they tried to say that they copyrighted the starting at 20 points of life. You know, turning a card sideways to get its abilities. Um, using dice. It's like, okay, then you have a case against every game in existence. Yeah. Um, what, Mr. Blobin made a good point. I said he liked... Uh that you always had to roll high in 3E. I like that, too. That was a good thing that I really enjoyed. Um, I don't think a person that min-maxes is necessarily a bad player. I think you have ones that are, but you can min-max and build a character and tweak him to the next level. You don't have to be, you know, super cheese ball about it. you got to watch a lot of people that build the cheese ball. Like, I remember there was the online stuff, like uh, Pun Pun and those characters. If you read into those builds, there was a lot of huge assumptions on yeah. the, of the build. Wrong assumptions, usually. That, that, that the DM would allow him to do this, or that it was wrong a lot of times. Yeah. Um, Sometimes yeah. the DM had to act as an auditor, too. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the build game was rife with cheating. If you didn't know every single rule. <laughs> Remember a certain somebody who used to come to Cabin Con who yeah. routinely cheated with character builds? Yeah, that's that's a but you know also there's honest mistakes. It was such a fiddly system. You can get the plus one in the wrong place. Um, Shadzar made a good point with character builds and other men's wives. 
sorry, not Shad's our Shadow and Son. Uh, there was a <laughs> good point. There was never a problem with broken builds back in first edition. True, because there were no builds. Yeah, not really. There's no builds. So no, but in I know people like to poo-poo on min-maxing and character building and stuff like that. That's not D and D, blah blah blah. Right. And you know, as someone who participated heavily in the build game, I still played my character. Yes. I didn't just bring a collection of stats to the table and say, you know, let me at the monsters and and then not care about anything else. So uh, when uh, folks talk about mid-maxers, a, a lot of times they often lump the worst ones, and we've seen some bad ones, in with the rest of us yep. who like the build game like I did um, and because it the imagination of your character went to the build game and they went back and forth. And you could imagine finding some lost uh, master on the on the top of the Himalayas teaching you new things that nobody else knows. Yep. That kind of thing. I mean, there's no there's no when when you're when you're using your imagination in the game, you can imagine getting these things, and then you can portray that in as your character in game uh, without you know getting stupid about it. I agree with Kill Raven here, though Shadzar doesn't. Regardless of how it felt uh, afterwards or toward the ends, I think 3.0 was a good faith attempt by people to make a better version of D&D. I think it was. Um, but I, I think the three saving throws were a vast improvement, and I still maintain they're a vast improvement over second edition. Um, I think that um, easy... To, now, I'm not saying they were good because they part of the build game. I thought the multi-class rules were simplified in third edition. Yeah, but I think it was a, I would think it was a worse version. Yes, agreed, but it was at least fairly easy. You're not well, I've got three classes that get a new hit dice, roll the dice, Correct. Five, five, three, and all that kind of Yeah, but it ended up it ended up being what seemed nice on paper after having played the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Ended up not being I mean, the it didn't end up being as good. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly simpler. Yeah, a lot of things that I that I liked initially about third edition, I don't like now after the after a long experience. And we played we played thirds full run too. We did three o three five Pathfinder one e to the very end. So we played a long time. Um, I liked CR initially, though I found out it was not very good. I liked the unified experience table until I realized it was all about I don't know. It was weird. And then uh, point by was cool because it was new. Um, I did think all classes and all races seemed good, but it, now I don't. Yeah, so what what seemed to a lot of us that were may have been improvements ended up not being improvements. However, yeah. one improvement I think still is better yeah. is that they didn't have the percentile strength. Yes, that was, that was better. I didn't really I, – I was like, no percentile strength? Oh yeah, this is better. Yeah, and I think it's. I still think it's better. I do too. Now, uh, percentile strength marks first edition with its distinctiveness. It gives you know you know you're you've got a first or second edition character if they have a percentile strength there. Yeah, but but I don't think it's superior. I think Mr. Blobbins right here too. I didn't like how they attempted to balance all the classes. Yeah, I agree. I think it was far more evident in fourth edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the yes. detriment of the entire design. Correct. 
But then everybody that's what was... had a healing spell. Everybody had an attack spell. Everybody, everybody had spells with the serial numbers filed off. Right. In third, in third edition. Fourth. No, fourth. Edition. Oh, fourth. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I did like the well-defined conditions and descriptors, though. After a while, it got tedious keeping track of all that. You got to know what a spell-like ability is versus what's a supernatural versus a. What was the other one? The extraordinary. Some worked against anti-magic and working signs. Some couldn't. It led for a heavy-duty set of rules understanding. And a, and a glut of descriptors. Oh, gosh, you get crazy. And you got, I think it got worth it under, huh? Stacking bonus types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Um, but um, I also, what I also liked about YCD and D. Yeah. Because this is what it seemed like. It may not have been, but it certainly seemed like it saved D and D. It did, because it seemed to us that the game was the game was going to go under. OTS well, had that. They had that stretch of time, Joe, where they weren't putting almost, stuff almost out. a year. I mean, uh, Wizard of the Coast did save the brand. Yes, um, and I'm with you. I thought, wow, good. We still have D and D. I wasn't expecting a big change like what we got, but I was down with it. Uh, I really was. Right. So we can we can look back yeah. at uh, when we we played, we enjoyed it. I think a lot of it was the idea that they saved it, and we were happy about that. And we uh, we weren't really all that invested at the time no. in the in game purity. Mm-hmm. Not like not like we are now. Right. I mean, and I think when I made that big list, I just rattled off for 15 minutes and you guys commented. The only things I can say I like, actually, truly like now, mm-hmm. I like sending AC. Yeah. I like getting to use my miniatures and maps, though I don't need the grid movement. And um, I still like the saving throws and the well-defined conditions, though I don't need as many. So... Yeah. So looking back, I wish they would have the rules themselves, apart from homogenizing class and race, if they would have um, left the lore alone to a large degree. Yeah. It would have um, been, if they, that would have saved them a lot uh, of grief from us in the future. And then if they if they would have left in level limits and stat requirements, that would have they could have done all the other stuff and been fine. Sheds are made a point that I actually really agree with. Uh, <laughs> they removed D and D from D and D to make one RPG for all things. Yep. I think that was a huge, huge problem because well, you see Right, you, you see it right now with even every every single new role playing game, you know, compat- you used with the world's greatest RPG system, fifth edition. You know, everything's a fifth edition variant. You make a somebody makes a cool new setting. Oh, it's for fifth edition. We didn't want to make our own rule set. We just used fifth edition. You know, it it's there's a glut of fifth edition d20 games and it's like you know you guys could make your own system for this and you know i may even be more interested in it 
Well, you know, Shadow and Son said one RPG to rule them all goes against everything he believes in. I'll be honest with you. At the height of my love for third edition, which was right around probably the second or third year of 3.0 when I was really loving it and even beginning of 3.5, I, I love that. I was like, great. Let's play D20 forever. I had no interest at all in playing any other game. And I remember telling a friend of ours who was a big vampire guy, I said, they're going to make a vampire D20. And he goes, no, 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 no. Well, he was partially right, and I was partially right. They made World of Darkness D20 uh, by Monty Cook. And, you know? It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think Patrick's got a point. Back then, I was not into the diversity of the RPG hobby. I've slowly become a little... And I'm not hugely into learning tons and tons of new games, but I got a handful. A lot of these are, you know, flat books for games that I have behind me. And there's lots of role-playing games out there that, uh, you know, uh, D20 is really, really married to levels and classes. And there's lots of games I like out there that have nothing to do with levels or classes. You know, it's D20 does tend to pigeonhole uh, characters. And with as many options as they give you, you know, you do end up getting pigeonholed a lot of times. Um, yeah. There's a lot of games out there that get you away from that. Yeah, but, you know, the truth is, I just, uh, at this point in my life, I don't want a lot of different games. I don't. Well, that's fine. I mean, I don't. You're old. I don't. Yeah. There. <laughs> I'm not interested in learning 57 new games. Right. At this point, I'm interested in getting into a campaign and playing the shit out of it. Right. Right. That's what I want. Yeah. And this thing here. No shame um, in that. Even though uh, it's addressed to you, Patrick, the, okay. even though people complain about 5e, they still have FOMO and afraid to make something else, so shoehorn it into 5e instead. Fear right. of what? Totally agree. FOMO is what? Fear of? Fear of missing out. So that's why people collect a lot of things. Absolutely. Can't, can't say no to a Marvel movie. Yeah. It's Trouble. Marvel. I'm going to go see it. Swear he's not going to watch Batman, then he does. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Yep, I've been guilty of that. I could have told you a better Batman story. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're going to hear more about that later, too. I I could have made a promise to not go see Doctor Strange, but for me, it's it's Doctor Strange. But it's not. Uh, You're going to talk. It just says it. It just says it. Patrick's going to talk okay. about that later. We'll, we'll talk about that, because yeah. yeah. you may have actually liked about the movie, Joe. Yeah, that's possible, but it's probably you know mixed in with stuff I wouldn't like. Okay. Blobbin's we'll we'll going to take us into 4th Edition, and I agree with him here. 4th Edition is a very well-designed game. Too well-designed, too balanced, I would say. Yes! It's bland. Yes. It's like a piece of music. thousand times, yes. 13 Age is a better 4th edition game because it's not as perfectly balanced, but it's still got balance, for sure. Yeah. And every uh, the, the thing that totally separates 13th Age from 4th edition is every class in 13th Age feels different. Yes, they do. Every class in 4th edition feels the same. Right. But let's, let's talk good stuff. Yep, good, yep. good thing about fourth edition. Let me go first because I'll have the shortest list. Okay, go ahead. I never played it. That's my favorite thing about fourth edition. <laughs> How about you, oh, Patrick? I, I, I wish that were my favorite thing. What about you, Patrick? Do you get a favorite thing fourth edition? 
I have three. It's Spawn 13th Age. Okay. I'm more generous. I think it's counting maxes, but I do think it's well-balanced. And there's some there's some allure to that. It's very simple to learn. I think it would have been a great gateway drug. That is, if they had just stuck to those adventure system boxes where you were playing the tile games, that was perfect. That was fourth edition the way it should have been, and it should have led people to D&D. I think it was a good bridge um, to bring some MMO board game style play into RPGs. If that's your, if that's your bag, baby. I'm leaving this up the rest of the stream. <laughs> Darth yes. says, I'm with you, Joe. Don't be that way, Darth. You'll be sorry, dude. And then um, I expect I'm, Darth to be wearing a Team Joe shirt. Monsters had a uh, simplified stat block, and Cal's hitting a home run here because fourth edition is a skirmish game. Correct. It doesn't mean right. you can't role play in it. Some people are like, you can't. It doesn't have any role playing rules. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And before you continue, before you continue, uh -huh. this is a pet peeve of mine. What you just brought up. Not yeah. uh, you're just repeating some other person's yeah verbiage. Um, the rules have gotten into the in the way of my role playing. <laughs> no, they haven't. Right. There's no. There's no such thing. That can't happen. You can role play in the midst of rules. Dude, I've role-played Talisman at <laughs> Gen Con. I was role-playing Assassin. You better believe it. So I maybe I'm being pedantic. Maybe they mean no. something slightly different from being that. Correct. Yeah. I'm not. Well, I, I, I think what they're getting at is the, the fact that, yes, of course, you can role-play the shit out of any role-playing game in existence. The thing is, is 4th Edition took the extra step and codified and made rules for all of most role-playing encounters, which I thought was to its detriment. <laughs> yeah, Bruce says my favorite thing uh, about the story is it burns cleaner than most other shitty books. Uh, this is hey, cool is that, does it qualify as clean energy? Mine, mine would have been, uh, you know, burned a long time ago had, you know, my wife and I not considered burning books a sin. Well, they made a second. Kill Raven says the funny thing is that Watsy forcing a 4E rewrite to the D&G miniatures game killed DDM. It's interesting, Kill Raven. We like the 3E. Some of us did the 3E miniature game. We played it. Remember, we were into it for a while. Philip and Greg and a few of us were playing it. And then they came out with it. I didn't know it was a 4E rewrite. I knew it was going to 4th edition. I thought it was just a 2nd edition of the DDM. But you're right. It did kill it. It killed that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything about 4th edition or its involvement with their miniatures game. I know that they – this is the other – this is a good – I don't know if it has anything to do with the game of D&D &D itself. But some really nice miniatures – through their association with WizKids was one of the, the good things about uh, Wizards owning the property. I mean, they got to be high-priced, especially the big ones, and, and they're doing some weirdly stupid ones now. Well, the prices now are ludicrous. But we got really good minis. Yeah, we did. And they weren't initially that expensive, I don't think. No, you got like six or seven. I agree with Kilroy. It was a fun game. I, it got me, and it was pre-painted. And I know they are not up to the quality of you, you know, Shadow and Son, and all these guys, and Patrick that paint their own minis. But they were some. For me, that was fine. I love it. 
Oh, dig that. That's, that's really a, good. That's what Patrick's giving me for my birthday. <laughs> that's cool, dude. Focus. Yeah, that's a yeah, I see it. That's a sweet bluish Balrog of Doom. I love it. That's a really hard, nice mini. It's hard to see that. You got to see it on it, the Facebook page. But can you call that a mini? <laughs> it's pretty freaking big. Yeah. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Yeah. All right. So we don't have much to say. About my hiccups. Because I only, I, to say, I, to try to say something good, I can list those things. I still maintain fourth edition would have been a great skirmish game, board game introduction to D&D if they had left it there. And it would have been fine. And I wouldn't have been nearly as annoyed at it. Right. Okay. Fifth edition. It's still. I'm going to be. I'm going to have a very short list of things I like. No, homeboy. Um, the advantage disadvantage mechanic is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it. Really. Hmm. Nothing seems, else. Seems overly critical, but okay. How about you, Patrick? Five eight. Um. I do like uh, that they dialed a, a couple things back. Um, what do they call that? Bounded accuracy, uh, where they have like the the bounded accuracy. Enough, yeah, bounded ac- bounded accuracy. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually do kind of like that. Me too. Um, I do. If we're gonna get into my favorite class, um, I do like how wizards. Uh, prepare their spells, but then they went and did a whole bunch of things I didn't like to wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was neutering their spell slots, and the other was the only uh, spells that scale with your level are the cantrips. Yeah, which are weird. That's a weird. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. b- burning a higher level spell slot is almost <clears throat> never no to your advantage. Nope. I don't know wh- who would do that, um, but um. I I think the artwork is a little better um, in than, places. In, in places. Now, if you're talking about halflings, that's a horror show. Um, you know the the practicing uh, you know Chinese foot binding where their 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 legs are little nubs, and they're all like ugly little gremlin creatures. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, horrible stuff. <laughs> yeah, it? Ring from the wings. Um, Feel free to elaborate. But yeah, um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I don't have all that much to say about fifth edition. I just like how they did step a couple of things back, and. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Oh, well, okay. Mine will be a little bit longer. I did like advantage, disadvantage. I still think yeah. that's, I prefer that to most modifiers and situational modifiers. I mean, I remember at 3E, you had circumstance bonuses and this bonus and luck bonus. I was like, advantage, disadvantage sounds simple. It cut out the majority of the build game. So when it came along, that was a relief. It kept the core of D&D easy to play. It's not complex, which it's not really anywhere. I think, I do think, fourth, there's a place for 4th edition and 5th edition. 4th edition is a skirmish board game. 5th edition is the introduction for children into role-playing. <clears throat> and then 
That's a good assessment. Then you, uh, then you actually play a real, um, D, the real D and D game, which is advanced D D and D, first or second edition, preferably first edition, because of the level caps on spells. Advanced D and D third edition, which should have been created, and um, left a lot more to the DM's discretion, which is what I like the way Patrick phrased it early earlier. It's a throwback in some ways to the old school sin sensibilities, at least on paper. The DM can do what he wants. They have a little more of that in fifth edition. The stat blocks are a little, in some ways, simplified, not fully. And they do have lots of accessories, lots of cards and tokens. If you like all the bits and bobs, and I, I tend to like them. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but I do. So, but yeah, um, better than fourth. It's not as good as the other editions, for the most part. So, you know, if D&D had stopped at fourth, I would like it better. What's that? It would be better if it would have been better had D and D stopped at fourth edition. Why Even though fifth edition can be argued as a better fifth edition can be argued to be a better game, you know, in a way, mm-hmm. the other stuff that it has brought with it, apart from the game system itself, right? Uh, the hiring practices over at Watsi, they uh, either they let in a bunch of folks or they were already there, and then the the overall climate, cultural climate. Yeah. Uh, I think Bruce has preceded you. What? I think Bruce has preceded you. The tradition is the Fortnite of TTGs. Yeah. Again, there's the weak and soy, corrals them while the adults play real games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it brought in the trove of blue-haired idiots, and, you know, no thanks. Well, they just bought into it. I mean, had they, they not... They kind of, you know, sat at the table... Shove the rest of us off the table and says, "Go get your own table." Yeah, yeah and then, they, and then it, as they they're say, shoving oh, us, not like that. Yeah, and then as they're shoving us off the table, Pat, they're saying, "Stop gatekeeping me." <laughs> <laughs> Had Watsy not gone full woke psychopaths, do you think you would have a different opinion of Five I think you would. Um, I think I would. I would have a different. One. I still way. may not like it much. Correct, but I think because, but I would like it better. Than four. But, but before all the woke crap came, really came to the fore, especially in my um, in my perception, because it was there before, it just wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. Right. I didn't like how they screwed the wizard over. In a way, I think and that turned me off. The rules for uh, fifth edition were a product of all the the woke minded coming into the hobby. Well, here's the deal. The screw the wizard part is really just a matter of they did weaken him, but they made everybody else super magic. I talked about this last week, making the fighter kind of irrelevant. I mean, not that he sucked, but it just, I don't know. Everybody's, anyway, we're going down the wrong road. So, yeah. I, so, at least all the good yeah. things we can say about Good things. Good. Good, good vibrations. Until we get to the next segment. Yeah, get ready. Patrick is about to <laughs> lay it down for us. Our boy Patrick has watched Doctor Strange too. Okay, okay. So, so hold on a second. Hold on a second. Sure. We need to figure out a way when we go between segments to have a little bit of a pause. Okay. Oh, mainly, you know, you know, so people can take a breath because we're going at blistering pace here. That's me. I talk fast. And then, uh, if subsequently we try to cut the, I haven't done this in a while. Cut the. Uh, 
video up into segments. Um, it's really hard to do when I'm going between words. But I think you probably also have a spoilers banner for this. Yes, I was telling, I was t- uh, talking to uh, Jenny, my wife, about what we we're going to say. And she said, Oh, what are, you, are you going to talk about a movie people haven't seen? You might, might want to make sure it's spoiler free. I'm like, I don't know if we can do that. We'll say there's spoilers. Really. There are spoilers. So get out now. I don't, yeah, if you don't want spoilers for Multiverse of Madness, you better. No. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> No, not really. I kind of disagree with that statement. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes. Patrick views Doctor Strange to the Multiverse of Madness. You multiverse have of Sadness. Okay. Multiverse of Sadness. All right. Hit it, Patrick. First of all, uh, after watching the movie, to be perfectly honest, this was on the scale of Marvel movies, like a 5 out of 10. Um, all of the things that I was afraid that they were going to do in this movie, they actually didn't do. On the other hand, while they didn't do those things, I was afraid they were going... What were you afraid they were going to do? I was afraid that Doctor Strange was going to be sidelined in his own movie. That was one of them. Some people are still saying that that's the case. I don't agree with that. Uh, But... They, while they didn't do th- some of the things that I was afraid they were going to do, they did five more things that I didn't expect them to do that were much worse. Oh, God. Okay. Um, I think I feel worst for Sam Raimi, who I think is a fine filmmaker who was handed a shitty script. I've heard that from several people. Because this script has so many plot holes, so many illogical things, and you have to go on the premise that the antagonist of the film, Wanda, is the antagonist of the film. Shocking. Is one... This was a character assassination of Wanda Maximoff. Because one, she is a horrendously evil bitch. Just plain evil. The second thing is that she's not even functionally retarded. This movie is driven by the fact that Wanda is an evil bitch who doesn't understand how biology works. Okay. Because the entire driving force of this movie is okay. Here's another thing detriment to the movie. The movie requires homework. Really? In order to really understand this movie, you have to have seen WandaVision. Yeah. You have to have watched um, probably Spider Man No Way Home. But yeah, you have to have watched WandaVision for any of this shit to make sense. Okay. And you shouldn't need to do homework to watch a movie. In fact, get this. You don't even have to watch the first Doctor Strange movie. Wow. Because none of the things that they left hanging from the original Doctor Strange movie are resolved in this movie. Of course not. Like him becoming the Sorcerer Supreme? (laughs) The, the, 
he's not the Sorcerer Supreme, and it's kind of for an amusing re- reason. Uh, they explained it in Spider-Man No Way Home that Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange was blinked out of existence for five years, and by default, Wong became the Sorcerer Supreme. I thought that was kind of amusing, but it is one of those things where you go, oh, come on, bullshit. By, yeah, by amusing, you mean completely stupid and horse crap. <laughs> okay, Joe. Because because the Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme can't be a white guy. Probably. Anyway, so yes. Yes, Patrick. Joe, there is something about this movie that you would have considered it far superior to the original Doctor Strange. No manifesting weapons? Yes. Still not going to watch it. Doctor Strange uses actual traditional magic. Does he use like the um, the shield and the bolt? Uh. Doctor Strange's first uh, magic spell he casts in this movie, I swear to God, it's a magic missile. <laughs> he, uh, they're being chased by some big demon thing, and he whips around behind them and tosses three uh, motes of uh, blue light that arc just like magic missiles are supposed to and hit the demon thing. Mm-hmm. He does things like he conjures force cages to trap things. Nice. Um, oh, things that Doctor Strange did in the comic books. Cool. And uh, he he con- he conjures creatures to uh, attack things. Um, like he he conjured these like two dragon heads out of his hands and stuff. He uh, to take out uh, something. He conjured like these creatures from under the ground that came up and like ate the thing that was you know uh, chasing the guy and dove back underground. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses like the astral projection. Uh, at some point, he sends his mind into the dead version of one of him uh, in one of the a many dead version of himself that stumble onto his realm. But yes, Doctor Strange uses traditional magic spells, and I thought that was really cool. And he he uses some. He uses some really cool magic and some really dark magic. Holy crap, dark magic. Mm-hmm. There is one point uh, there. Speaking of like all the magic stuff, there is one point in the movie where it is the goofiest magic battle I have ever seen on screen. It is a magic, uh, magic music battle. <laughs> At some point, Dr. Strange has to duel against himself uh, an evil version of himself and they're in the Sanctum uh, Sanctum Sanctorum um, evil Doctor Strange blasts uh, prime Doctor Strange into this piano and all this sheet music goes flying and for a split second uh, Doctor Strange looks at the, the, the sheet music, conjures up a spell that pulls all the music notes off the page and they become little tiny magic missiles that he starts, you know, shooting at the the evil Doctor Strange, and all of these notes when they hit, they they produce like a piano key sound. Yeah, that sounds Disney to me. And uh, the evil Doctor Strange pulls the the bars off of the sheet music and uses it as a shield. And mm-hmm. when all the notes fly onto the the bar, he like turns it into this uh, like big ball of swirling uh, notes 
and uh, Prime Doctor Strange looks over at a harp and he causes one single note from the harp to uh, fly over and, and hit the, the cacophony ball and it explodes knocking both of them back except evil Doctor Strange goes sailing out uh, of the Sanctum Sanctorum window and gets impaled on the uh, the spikes on his fence mm. but um, like Sorcerer Mickey <clears throat> it, it uh, Joyce was saying uh, it's uh, Kung Fu Hustle 2 in the Multiverse of Madness oh boy <laughs> but uh, I thought it's like huh so this is what it's like to see two bards duke it out in 5th edition D&D. <laughs> but yeah, um, Wanda is after her imaginary children. In yeah, all the universe. She never had them, but she made yeah. them out of magic. Yep. Uh, and there's even a dumb line in there. So she's talking to Doctor Strange and he says, your children aren't real. You conjured them with magic. And she says... That's what every mother does. Like, oh God, kill me now! Oh my goodness! Somebody, somebody online was like, "No one has been through as much as Wanda has," and they were not being ironic. They're not. They weren't being ironic. They were like no. giving her an excuse for being bad as she was. Even no. Doctor Strange at some point says, "Nobody should have had to go through the stuff you did, Wanda, and you made it right in the end." And I'm like, no, she didn't. No, she didn't. She and yeah. that whole line we didn't like in the trailer, the you break the rules and you become the hero. I break the rules and everybody hates me. It doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Wanda, Doctor Strange gave Thanos the time stone because he saw into the future and saw that that was the only way to beat Thanos. So you you broke a rule and it was for the good of everybody. You enslaved a town and mentally tortured people just because you wanted to play a sitcom mom. Pause. I don't remember this. Bruce said Wanda raped a dude that was mentally held hostage. Is that true? Talking about the I fake... I had sex with them? The fake vision? Well, fake vision, yeah, it's fake. I mean, yeah. I mean, is this, is this in Doctor Strange too, or because I don't no, remember that? No, 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 no. In WandaVision, do you recall that? Oh, I don't recall that. Oh, no, I don't. I don't recall that. Unless you're talking about the Vision, maybe from the. Yeah, Jean Grey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of examples of people who went through at least as much as she did, if not more. Oh sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Wanda's Wanda is after her imaginary children because in the multiverse, fake vision. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I get you. I get it. Um, in other parts of the multiverse, um, her children are real. Now, the thing is, Wanda, you are played by Elizabeth Olsen. You are a beautiful woman. There are many men out there who would supply you those children yes. if you would just find a boyfriend that didn't run on batteries. 
Right. That's because that's how Bob. That's how biology works. Yeah. But no, she has to. She has to go to another universe, destroy one of her other selves, and steal her children. Oh my god! Yeah. That's that's not not evil. That is the only. That is the impetus of the entire movie. Oh. So. She, for some reason, knows about America Chavez or Puerto Rican Chavez or Brazilian Chavez or whatever. Hold on, hold on. She's Puerto Rican, except she she's an alien. Yeah, she's from a multiverse. She's from another world. She's an alien. Yeah, she's from. A, if I'm remembering the character. But the big thing about her is that there's only one of her. She's like a. She's like the. Um, the, the, the blue-haired, progressive leftist snowflakes wet dream. There's only one of her. She's completely unique. She, there's no other version of her in all the other multiverses, you know, like like there is of, like, Doctor Strange. There's only one of her. And she has the power to travel, to open portals to travel the multiverse. She is the only person who has this power and uh Wanda is after this power so that she can go to some other universe. And America Chavez is pretty much the MacGuffin of the entire movie. Now, to the film's credit, this wasn't the America Chavez hour. She spends 99% of this movie being a damsel in distress that Doctor Strange has to save and protect. Um, Because she can only... What does that mean? Six one six on that's like the prime universe of the Marvel comics, isn't it? Six one six. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. What six? What is six one six? The the number uh, the number of the universe that basically the prime Marvel comics are in. Oh oh oh. You know how they talk about Earth seven one four, and it's a right. different universe. Earth Prime is six one six. Gotcha. Yeah, I. I think that's it. But, um, what was I? Oh, yes. America Chavez, the MacGuffin of the entire movie, spends 99% of it uh, being a damsel in distress. And uh, only at the end of the movie does Doctor Strange give her the pep talk to, uh, well, defeat Wanda. And that's, I think, the reason why people are calling it the Wanda show. Because Wanda is not defeated by Doctor Strange. Wanda defeats herself. Right, which means she she's the hero and the villain of the story. Yeah. Which kind of, kind of lends it to being called the Wanda story. The Wanda movie, but, in a way. But the movie uh, is primarily... Doctor Strange. Now, the other thing I really don't like is all of the ass pull powers that Wanda got in this movie. Um, she is immensely, immensely powerful. I mean, she just, there is nothing that they can throw at her that she doesn't immediately have some other power pull out of her ass to get her out of the situation. She's amazing. 
so they way OP'd her from her comic book origins, right? The okay, the Marvel Cinematic Universe gives her different powers from the comics. Yeah, the comics she just had probability control or something like that. And this she actually has like magic powers. She was a mutant mathematician in the eighties. Right, right. So Doctor Strange decides to take uh, America Chavez to Camartage to keep her safe there. And since Doctor Strange didn't know that it was Wanda sending uh, monsters after to capture America Chavez, um, he goes to visit her and ask for her help. And that's when she tips her hand and lets Doctor Strange know, oh, no, I'm actually trying to to capture her. And if you hand her over so that I can take her power from her, um, we're good. But uh, stand in my way and I'll, like, destroy you and everyone you love and all that stuff. So Doctor Strange goes back to Kamertage and basically says, hey, Wong. Scarlet Witch isn't going to help us. She's going to hinder us. So we need to prepare for Wanda's coming onslaught because she's coming to Camartage. So the Black Fog rolls in and all the sorcerers of Camartage get battle ready. And uh, this is where, this is at the point of the movie Joe wouldn't like because Doctor Strange is the only one using like traditional magic. Everybody else is conjuring like weapons and magic bows and shit, and uh, firing what looked like rune cannons. These giant magic cannons that they they load in these big cylinders that have runes all over it, and it like fires magic and shit. I'm but, okay with a class of wizard or a group, a subgroup within Marvel or wherever having that. But it just seemed in the first movie, that's what they did. I mean, that's what everybody did. The movie is littered with Easter eggs, too, because uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the character Rinthra. No. A green green Minotaur from uh, the Doctor Strange comics. Hmm. I'm not. I didn't read all of his comics. I just read a lot of them. So I might. It might just be lost to my memory. That's all. Okay. well, uh, he makes an appearance. So the black fog rolls in. Wanda comes up, you know, uh, out of the black fog, basically says, hand girl over. Doc Strange goes up to talk to her and basically says, no, we're, we're not, we're not handing her over. Uh, and the battle ensues. The sorcerers put up, you know, this magic barrier. And for, for a time, Wanda starts shooting hex bolts at it and just bounces off the the shield and stuff and she looks uh, she looks a little perplexed it's like oh my godlike powers are not getting through their magic shield so she tries flying around trying to find a weakness in the shield then she gets an idea she she pulls her tricks from the previous marvel movies and goes into their minds so she finds the weakest looking you know, soy-infused wizard and, uh, you know, magically whispers into his ear for him to run. And that wizard drops his shield, takes off and knocks over a whole bunch of other wizards, destroying their concentration, and a hole forms in the magic shield, which she's able to get through, and then just frickin' slaughters 
90% of all the sorcerers in Camartage. I mean, they're no contest. It's like a 20th level wizard uh, raining down hell on a bunch of first level wizards. Wow. And uh, they they trap her in the mirror dimension and she finds some power to find her way out of that. And uh, she uses the reflections and like pools of water to start snatching sorcerers into the mirror dimension. And uh, she she captures Wong uh, and uh, America Chavez and Doctor Strange. She opens up a uh, portal to the multiverse, and then they uh, they dive into that, and they start crossing dimensions and stuff. And Wong is stuck in the prime dimension with Wanda, and she's a little pissed off. The well, only sorcerer supreme, he should be able to handle her. Apparently not, because <laughs> is that much better. Wow, but um. But she also had a book called The Darkhold, right? Did that yeah, The Darkhold. That is the that is the thing that supposedly gave her all of these unstoppable powers. <clears throat> so one of the sorcerers I'm not familiar with, uh, Black Chick, fine actress, but I just don't know what the character is supposed to be. Hmm. Um, she's apparently a battle commander for Wong. Hmm. And she takes a magic dagger and, you know, whispers in his ear you know wanda is like meditating and concentrating on sending out her mental essence into another wanda and chasing after dr strange and america chavez so she her attention is focused there and this other chick takes this magic dagger runs over to the dark hold drops a dagger in it and destroys the dark hold bringing wanda out of her uh out of her meditation <laughs> oh, Max. Oh, you. Mr. Max Bobbin, their dark hole is what give all women power over me. <laughs> he says, okay, I'm drunk. <laughs> Peace, son. Uh, but destroying the dark hole is the only thing that seems to make Wanda go, oh, crap, what am I going to do now? <laughs> but I don't know. At that point, I'm following the... Uh, the adventures of America Chavez and Dr. Strange in this new universe. One in which uh, Dr. Strange died fighting Thanos. And he was at the, this world credits him with being the guy who took out Thanos. Hmm. But some of the doofiest lines from this movie come from this universe. Okay. Because they're exploring this, this new place and Doctor Strange is that the, they're standing at a um, a crosswalk, and green light pops up, and Doctor Strange walks right out into traffic, and uh, nearly gets hit by a car, gets grabbed and brought back by uh, Puerto Rico Chavez, and uh, she says, first thing to remember." is you don't know anything about these other universes. And Doctor Strange is like, so red means go, green means stop? Right. Yep. Well, well that's <laughs> dumb. But, that's that, dumb. No, 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 no. That's not dumb. This next part is dumb. 
and totally woke. Um, because you know that a woke person wrote this. America disappears for a moment, and when he calls out her name, she appears and she's holding a bowl with pizza balls. These little ball-shaped pizza things. She says, rule number two, first find something to eat. And he's like, okay. And they start walking. He says, did you pay for that? And she says, she says, uh, no. Uh, in fact, in most universes, food is free. You just take what you want. It's actually kind of strange that your universe pays for food. Yeah, that's dumb, too. That's stupid. And then comes then comes Bruce Campbell's cameo as the vendor she took the food from. And he says, hey, you didn't pay for that. She turns around all sheepishly and says, okay, maybe not in most universes you don't have to pay for food. Oh, and he gets into a, he gets into, you know, gets into it with uh, Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange casts some spell on him to make him beat himself up for like a straight week. So Bruce Campbell is sitting here beating the shit out of himself and they're walking away. And America says, how long is he going to do that? And he says, oh, about the end of the week. And uh, it's not Bruce funny. Campbell... That's not funny. No, yeah. not really. He wanted to pay for his stuff, so why, why make him beat himself up? Yeah. I mean, did he say some bad things? Perhaps. But so. Maybe it's you should beat yourself up overcharging for services. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a little mean spirited. Yeah. Um, next part is they stand on this circle on the pavement and there's like an advertisement for this like service, like straight out of um, Total Recall, where they say, you know, we, re we remember so that you don't forget. And it projects on a wall. Uh, a deep memory of yours and when Doctor Strange steps on it he's having dinner with Christine and it's the dinner where she gives him um, Can you pause a second Patrick? Sure. Martinson says that Bruce beating himself up is an homage to Evil Dead I guess well, it is and dude that isn't the only homage to Evil Dead the, it it seemed like Sam Raimi to put his hands in like finger paint and like took the entire roll of film and just slapped his hands all over it from beginning to end. This some is totally folks, a Sam Raimi film. Some folks think some folks think the reshoots destroyed Sam Raimi's vision of the film. And I'm wondering if they're going to put out a Sam Raimi cut because I heard about these reshoots and all of these things that we were expecting to happen did happen and they would have been cool if they did happen and I'm wondering if the reshoots are one of the things that killed it it's not that a dumb writer wrote this says Max Bobbin but nobody in the process said no that's dumb true right, right. true yep. true yep. there was nobody there to tell uh, to tell the producers no no that's stupid it's, right. it's the bad thing about these movies is they all have the same um, Iron Man vibe. Mm -hmm. yep. And the Iron Man vibe is cracking jokes all the time. And Doctor Strange does not crack jokes. Nope. He 
rocks around and is the boss of everything, but not in a pushy way. He just is. Mm-hmm. And the cracking jokes all the time thing ruins it. Yeah. I, th- I, uh, I don't think it ruins it, but they could really tone down some of the wisecracking. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of things that I liked hearing Doctor Strange say, um, like when they're fighting not Shumagorath in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. Uh, they call it Gargantos because there's some sort of licensing issue, so they can't use the name Shumagorath. Um, they're fighting Shumagorath and Wong is, is for the moment getting his butt handed to him a little bit. Doctor Strange comes in, conjures some sort of magical uh, blade in the air that chops off Shumagorath's tentacle that's holding Wong. Wong gets back up, dusts himself off, and Doctor Strange struts by and says, you're welcome. <laughs> that kind of stuff I, I kind of like. But, um, where was I? Oh, at at some point they go to the Sanctum Sanctorum from his world, and they meet uh, the new Sorcerer Supreme, Carl Mordo. This is in this and, new world. Yes. Okay. And Mordo embraces him like a brother, which takes Doctor Strange by surprise. He says, uh, "This guy doesn't really like me that much." Mm-hmm. But uh, embraces him like a brother, brings him to the Sanctum Sanctorum, tells him about everything that happened. But he's duplicitous. He drugs both of them, knocks them out, and takes them before the Illuminati. Now, if there is anything that ruined this movie and was a character assassination of so many superheroes and just did them dirty... It was the entire set uh, section with the, excuse me, the Illuminati. Okay. Because the strange gets taken before the Illuminati, and they introduce all the Illuminati. There's Sharon Carter, um, Agent Ms. Carter. Yeah, Agent Carter, Captain, the first Avenger. Captain Britain. Not. Yeah, she was the first Avenger. With the shield. And this and this version. Uh, Captain Marvel, but the uh, oh, Lambo, uh, Monica Rambo, Monica Rambo. She's Captain Marvel. Okay, she's Captain Marvel in this universe. Okay, um, Black Bolt, which, to their credit, Black Bolt looks exactly like he does in the comic books. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Reed Richards, mm-hmm. and I think their choice for a Reed Richards in this movie was a fan favorite. Except uh, they they took that fan favorite and they totally misused him. I did not buy Reed Richards as being the smartest man in the universe in this movie. Not for one second. And hopefully, not being part of an Illuminati type group, surely not. Hopefully, hopefully, if they do another Fantastic Four movie and they use this guy as Reed Richards, hopefully it'll be better. But I'm not holding my breath. And then uh, the final member of the Illuminati, Professor X. And uh, it's Patrick Stewart at his worst. At his worst. Patrick Stewart is just being taken through the ringer. They're taking every single one of his characters 
totally ruining him. Picard is a disaster. He's participating, dude. It's a paycheck, and he yeah. probably agrees with some of it. He's now, the cute thing I thought about the appearance of Professor X is he's in his classic yellow uh, wheelchair thing from like the comics, and when he's introduced, he's he's you know floating in, and the music sting playing while he's entering is the original X-Men theme song from the animated series, which I thought was was a cute homage. But they basically said that um, they tell Doctor Strange that in this universe, um, Doctor Strange didn't... Well, yeah, he defeated Thanos, but he did so much bad shit uh, trying to defeat Thanos that he destroyed a whole other universe and they had to make him pay for it and Doctor Strange submitted to corporal punishment and you know he says goodbye to Professor X and uh, Black Bolt whispers I'm sorry at him and just like atomizes him but to, to, to keep him as a good memory they erected some statue and they tell the story about he single handedly defeated Thanos and because the world needs heroes, according to Professor X. But you should kill them. Whatever. If they happen to destroy another universe. And okay. they're really sorry for it. But uh, Doctor Strange says, look, I'm not the problem. Wanda is coming here for America Chavez, and the Darkhold has given her the power to dreamwalk. Mm-hmm. Now, the concept of dreamwalking is that the reason Doctor Strange is seeing all these dream visions of himself dying and trying to protect this girl is because dreams are our minds experiencing another part of the multiverse. <laughs> Which I thought it was a cool concept. Mm-hmm. And dreamwalking actually allows you to step into another another body of yourself in another universe. It's like kind of the back door for uh, um, America Chavez's power, which if if uh, Wanda had that power to dream walk to begin with, mm-hmm. why didn't she just go into uh, this other Wanda's body and just I don't know, set up shop there, live there, yeah. and uh, right. have the kids. Right. In fact, she does this. She does this in the movie. <laughs> and it pisses me off because she could have just stayed there. No, she has to go get America Chavez because, I don't know, she doesn't, her thighs are too big or something in this universe. I don't know what, I don't know why Why she doesn't just want to keep the body and the kids. Oh, my. But, uh, nope, she, she goes to the Illuminati headquarters and Doctor Strange says, Wanda's coming and uh, she can do some shit. And uh, the Illuminati's like, uh, we're more worried about you, Mr. Jerk Stephen Strange. Uh, we can handle her and her dreamwalking. And Doctor Strange's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But Wanda comes in, and the Illuminati takes off to go fight her. And it is the most pathetic display of superheroes battling each other that I have ever seen, ever, in any movie. Wow. So... The Illuminati, the uh, Black Bolt, 
Reed Richards, Sharon Carter, and Captain Marvel all meet her at the lobby of uh, the building. And uh, they they say, you know, you got to get through us. And uh, I, I don't know what threat she made, but Reed Richards says, listen, Wanda, a single word from Black Bolt would destroy you utterly. A, wor- a word from his mouth would destroy you utterly. And she looks up and she says, what mouth? Cuts to Black Bolt. He has no mouth. And then he makes some sort of vocalization in his throat, which activates his power and blows a hole clean right out of the uh, back of his skull, killing Black Bolt instantly. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the same dude that had killed the Doctor Strange in that world. Oh, my God. How yeah, because in well, the Doctor, time- well, Doctor Strange was also on his knees and saying, OK, I'm ready to die. But uh, wait a minute. Our Doctor Strange or the other no, world? No, no. The other. The, the other, other world's Doctor Strange. Okay. So he couldn't um, have just walked up to her and said the word or whatever. And just This is a terribly convoluted, unnecessary plot. Yeah. Reed Richards uh, gets turned into spaghetti. Yeah, what's he Literally, she, she like unravels him into all these little pool noodles and then blows up his head. Yeah, but he's, he's smart. His his stretchiness is just added goo. He he's his he's supposed to be smart. That's what his thing he's is. supposed to be smart. That's the operative word. Supposed yeah. to be, but she takes him out just like that. Uh, so the guys are like question question. How what? come Professor X has, hasn't already shut her down? That's the best part. That's the best part. Oh. Um, so the the two gentlemen last precisely three seconds with Wanda. Sharon Carter and um, Captain Marvel, they last 30 because the women have to last longer. Sure, because they're better. Yeah. Uh, Eventually, Wanda takes, um, telekinetically takes uh, Carter's shield and cuts her, bisects her with it. And then she uh, after having a you know Dragon Ball Z power battle with uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Wanda drops a statue on her. Um, then then comes Professor X. Wanda, stop! And he uses he uses his mind powers, reaches into her mind, and it's him walking around in this white field. And there's rubble, and there's and there's a Wanda trying to to reach out of the rubble, and he's like. If I can pull you out of this, I can I can save you. I can help you. He's trying to help the Wanda that's inside that's being suppressed by our Wanda. The dark hole. And all of a sudden, this red mist creeps up right behind him. And Scarlet Witch comes, snaps his neck, and then cut to real life where he just goes. <laughs> yeah. Took out Professor X, the most Powerful freaking telepath in the universe, like a bitch. All right, so every um, single character death in here was followed by me shouting in the theater, "Bullshit!" Yeah, black bolt guys. Bullshit. So, so, question for you. It sounds like Wanda show. Right. So, question for you though. Um, you said there were five things they did 
I mean, apart from I was, doing three I, I was, scenes, so five was, things. It was, it was hyperbole. Um, I, was, I was saying, you know, oh. for every good thing they did, they did, you know, so many more bad things. Okay, so you didn't have five distinct No, Not things. five distinct things, no, okay. but we're, we're way past, like, five now. Okay. Yeah. But uh, eventually, um, Doc, they get sent back to the the world where Wanda has uh, Wong tell her where another version of uh, the Darkhold. The Darkhold is actually transcribed. <laughs> oh, maybe I don't know. I didn't. They didn't take my picture or anything. But. Uh, the, she tortures a couple of the the sorcerers to get Wong to tell um, Scarlet Witch where a replacement for the Darkhold is, and apparently the Darkhold is transcribed from this like Mount Doom place, where it's a castle on top of a mountain that's in a forbidden zone that has the spells on all of the walls, and she has Wong take her there. And so she's she's captured America Chavez, and she's got her, you know, right where she wants her. She's going to drain her powers. Doctor Strange goes to uh, another universe with an evil Doctor Strange because he needs to get a hold of the Darkhold so that he can learn the spell for dreamwalking. And that's where the big magic um, music duel comes from. Yeah. Uh, they did do a little bit of uh, a deep lore cut in that uh, the the Sam Raimi's car that's in all of his movies is in that scene huh. when he's walking up to uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum. But uh, another deep cut little bit of lore is that they mentioned for the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doctor Strange's younger sister. Because uh, the evil Doctor Strange uh, says, you're me, prove it. And then he tells the, a short version of the story about uh, the death of uh, Donna Strange. And I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. Hmm. And uh, they have their battle. Uh, he gets a hold of the Darkhold and uh, learns some chaos magic and how to dreamwalk. And then he... Uh, he dream walks into the corpse of his body that fell into our dimension uh, known as Defender Strange. And there's another Sam Raimi thing. Him resurrecting himself is straight out of Evil Dead with like the striking lightning and the hand coming up out of the dirt. And yeah, he's zombie strange. But uh, he he teleports to the, the castle of the Darkhold and uh, apparently dreamwalking is a big no-no because that's necromancy. The spirits of the damned come after you. And so um, spirits of the damned, uh, not deadites, um, mm -hmm. even though that's exactly what they look like, start you know flying around him, start clawing at him, telling him, that's forbidden, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Christine Palmer from... The, the evil Doctor Strange's lair where his body is projecting from. Um, she she tells him, you know, take control of these spirits. 
And so Doctor Strange is like, all right, basically takes every single one of those spirits of the damned and binds them to him and creates a freaking cloak out of them. So there's Zombie Strange lifts up into the air. He has like the eight arms and shit and has the flowing cloak of the damned behind him, flies over to the dark hole and uh, uh, Wong's all excited to see him. And, you know, climbs back up after he had been, like, tossed off the cliff by Wanda. And he gets up and he, Doctor Strange turns around, looks at Wong, and for one of the few funny moments of the movie, uh, he sees he's got, like, eight arms, half his face is missing, and he's all desiccated and has the spirits of the damned as a cloak. And Wong says, I don't even want to know. <laughs> so Doctor Strange takes on the Scarlet Witch in magic combat. And at some point, the spirits of the dam go after Wanda because she's using dreamwalking, too. And they trap her. Wong and Doctor Strange trap her inside one of those force cages. But she's slowly breaking out. And Doctor Strange goes over to America Chavez. And she says, kill me and take my power. I understand now. I, I can't live anymore. She 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 admits that for the greater good she has to die, and Doctor Strange is the only person she trusts to have this power. And he says, uh, uh, "No, I'm not going to do that uh, because he wants to be he wants to be different than the other Doctor Stranges." Sure. Um, he says, uh, "You need to uh, you need to get up. You need to uh, take on Wanda." Because you got uh, you, you got that power, you got the magic. And, uh, she she gets uh, she gets up. Doctor Strange releases her. And America Chavez for the first time just punches a hole in reality, uh, right behind Wanda, and basically kicks her into that dimension where she took over uh, the other Wanda and the kids. And she turns around, and there's the kids. And all of a sudden, she's like happy. She's. Uh, she sees the kids and the kids start screaming, witch, witch, she's a witch and start trying to run away. And mama bear, uh, Wanda from this universe, uh, the other universe comes down the stairs, attacks, uh, our universe is Wanda and our universe is Wanda basically tosses her aside and nearly kills her. And, uh, she, the kids try to hide behind the stairs and she uh, runs over to them. She says, no, 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 it's all right. And uh, they're, they're basically like, you're not our mom. You hurt our mom. And she says, no, 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 I'm not a monster. I would never kill anyone. And Joyce and I started laughing uproariously. I said, it's a little late for that, Wanda. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she says, I'm not a monster. I wouldn't hurt anybody. The kids call her bluff and basically show her that no bitch, you are a monster. And we don't wanna we don't want you to be our mom. Um she starts self-reflecting in slow-mo and all that stuff. And the other the other Wanda gets up, goes over to to to, to shield the kids, and Wanda turns around to the other Wanda and basically has given up. And the other Wanda tells her, know that they will be loved. And with that, Wanda steps back into our universe. And uh, 
she said she she basically says i've become a monster and i can't i I, i've got to stop all of this right here she destroys the dark hold but not just the dark hold in this universe Uh, by bringing down the entire um castle on her head yeah she destroys the dark hold in every other universe okay Hmm. And I didn't even mention the book of Vishanti that they were they were looking for in between the universes because that is how little it meant on the plot. Because, well, Doctor Strange is supposed to already have the book of the Vishanti. Yes. Did yes. she kill herself? She killed herself. Okay. Well, we don't see a body, so right, okay, they can bring her back. But she, what? How is Strange not just the school bus? And Wanda's driving the story. It's basically at the end where Wanda takes over the story by defeating herself. Yeah. And uh, yes, Kill Raven, that was a good point to call bullshit. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange uh, goes. The next scene is at Kamartage, and Wong and and uh, Doctor Strange are replenishing uh, the ranks of the sorcerers and rebuilding Kamartage. And it's like, wow, they. Either Wanda didn't kill all of them, or they replenished their ranks rather quickly. All right. And uh, yeah, that's another thing. Ranks of sorcerers. Where did that come from? That's stupid. I mean, By ranks, I meant number of sorcerers oh, at Cockatoo. Sure, sure, sure. I get that. But what I'm saying is, the amount of sorcerers. It's not like they, it's not like they have the training grounds, and there's. Graduates every year, like in, um, like in um, Harry know, Potter. Potter. It's not like that. The ancient one had one apprentice. He chose one. Not have he didn't have all these folks running around like they had in the movie. He had one apprentice. He was choosing between uh, Mordo and Strange, and that was it. And he only chose between them two because Strange happened to come in in the middle of Mordo's evaluation, which he wasn't going to make it anyway because. The ancient one knew he was a bad guy. He was just keeping him around until he screwed up. So they're rebuilding Kamartage, and uh, Doctor Strange talks about uh, the new student seems to be doing well. And it cuts to America Chavez in a sorcerer's robe, and they're doing that scene from uh, where they're they're trying out their sling rings and opening portals. Except everybody else is like opening portals. And America Chavez is trying it, but she only creates tiny little sparks. And, uh, you know, uh, Doctor Strange said, you know, says good day to uh, Wong, bows to him because that was a uh, some point he, uh, Wong made earlier. It is traditional to bow to the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. Strange finally bows to him, opens up a portal to the Sanctum Sanctorum, is about to leave. America says, hold on, hold on. And, uh, Doctor Strange turns around and she says, What's up? Doctor Strange says, What's up? She says, I made some sparks today. He says, Good. And she says, I just wanted to let you know that I was glad that I fell into your universe. And uh, he does the he does the 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 repeating trope by saying, So am I, kid. So am I. Walks into the portal and that's the end credits. Oh my! Now, the mid-credit roll. Um, 
No, that wasn't the end credits. Uh, it, they showed Doctor Strange rebuilding uh, the cracked uh, watch that Christine gave him. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's to, to show that Doctor Strange is finally moving on because he had to attend Christine's wedding in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And apparently she's marrying a guy that was embarrassing enough to her a Doctor Strange fanboy. Uh, and Doctor Strange is like, oh, this is weird. But uh, he walks out. He goes for a walk out in the New York streets, and all of a sudden he gets hit by the mother of all migraines, drops to his knees in the middle of traffic, and starts screaming, uh, reels back, and a third eye opens on his head. So I think the Darkhold, uh, the stuff he learned from the Darkhold, means that the Darkhold kind of hijacked him. Wow. I think uh, part of the dark holds now in him. Yeah. Mid credit sequence was kind of cool because they introduced, um, they introduced a new character directly from the Doctor Strange comics, Clea. Oh uh, yeah. She's played by Charlize Theron, so oh, at least she's a pretty Clea. An old Clea. <laughs> Charlize is old. Clea's but, young. Um, but she goes and cuts open a uh, a hole into the dark dimension. She says, Dr. Strange, you've caused another incursion, and you're going to help me, uh, help me fix it, unless you're afraid. And uh, he, like, waves his hand, all of his, you know, robe of levi- uh, the cloak of levitation, his sorcerer's garb opens up his third eye and he says, not on your life, let's go. And they walk into the dark dimension, and that's the end of that uh, mid-reel. Unless you're afraid. That's dumb. The last the last uh, after-credit sequence basically cuts back to Bruce Campbell's character still punching himself, mm-hmm. and then finally he stops. He opens his hand, and he says, it's over! And it's like, okay, that's, yeah. So I think that there was, there were things in this movie that I did like. More things in this movie that I disliked. And I think that there was the DNA of a good movie in here. But just the DNA, it got horribly mutated when it got to the cutting room floor, and some of the the some of the stuff. Well, a lot of it doesn't make sense. But I really, really wanted to enjoy this movie. Lots of stuff I couldn't enjoy, but I think there was the DNA for a good movie in there, and had this the had had. Sam Raimi been given a better script, I think it would have been a lot better movie. I think what they did was they set our expectations way too high by promising all this stuff that was rumored to be in the movie. If this stuff was in the movie, I think it would have been a better movie. So I think that these reshoots, um, I think these reshoots probably killed a lot of the movie. I don't know. Description it sounds horrific, it sounds worse than the Batman to me. It sounds like, and I mean that in the sense that it sounds like 
I'm a, we're all nerds here. That was fairly hard to follow. <laughs> Not, I mean, I'm thinking of my wife and regular people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the movie, the, the movie itself by design, I think was hard to follow because you're jumping universes. You're cutting back between universes and, and did we lose Joe? I think so. He's probably doing something. Um, Martinson said it's a lead into Secret Wars. Um, At this point, I yeah. don't care. Well, yeah, and um, he said old school Battle World. Kill Raven says, aren't they gearing for a shittier version of Secret Invasion? Oh God, I hope not. But I didn't. I never read it, so I don't. It doesn't. Yeah, then the, the movie it said Doctor Strange will return, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, oh joy. I won't watch. I'm, I'm not. You told me enough. You told me the whole thing. I just, I'm out. But I'm out of Marvel anyway. But yeah, thanks for doing that, man. I really appreciate it. I don't I uh, suffer through it, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate but, it. Like, like I said, there were, there were things I did genuinely like about this movie, but there was more stuff that I didn't like. And, is, uh, and their humor is sounding like it's getting really um, weak. Marvel's like running out of jokes. Okay. Well, if Joe comes back, we'll remind you to subscribe. Um, I do want to move on to the last segment today. I'm not sure how long this will be. I want to talk uh, a cabin con moment. We have two days. Patrick is one of the few, the proud, the cabin con attendees, our t-shirt guy. What do you think, man? Two days. You've been counting down the website on the Facebook page and Joe's here. I've been using the uh, the Vince McMahon meme of uh, him getting more and more excited. Yeah. What about you, Joe? You all ready for it? About. I got. I'm about halfway packed. Yeah, I haven't even started packing because the school started this week in this stupid uh, laryngitis crap. But I will get it done tomorrow. Um, I haven't been able to do crap. So I'm not bringing I'm not bringing my computer. We're not doing any episodes at Cabin Con. Am I wrong? Um, we're not doing any streaming. That's for sure. For sure. Um, I know Patrick said he was going to bring his camera, so we could we could maybe do little bits here and there. Okay. And then put them together for a like a after action, you know, after after Cabin Con kind of spectacular. Yeah, I'm taking Cabin Con off as a GM. Joe's possibly doing some Hackmaster initiative and combat testing. Patrick's running quite a few games. Are you all ready? Are your games, all your ducks in a row, you ready to run those games? Um, a good <laughs> amount of work is going to happen tomorrow after I get out of work. Oh, my. Nothing <laughs> like waiting until last minute, brother. So what all the games I've, I've, been, I've been stuck with a lot of extra work. I know. I got you. But um, – what games are you running at Cabin Con? What are you going to have for sure ready to go? Shiver. What is that? Uh, that is a horror role-playing game. Cool. That's the one I, I told you about, the, the Doom Clock. I want to try that. Um, I I want to have something for Earth Dawn ready. Should we bring our character? No, I think I'm just going to bring some pre-gens. Okay. And they'll probably be a little higher circle than one. Well, <laughs> I'm going to bring for late nights uh, anybody who wants to try out uh, the Dark Tower board game. Ah, fun. Um, 
I was wondering, did you want me to bring the game Prophecy? It's like Talisman, but uh, even Jeff will actually play t- uh, Prophecy. Um, I would be up for it, but we got to find time. I, I'd be careful bringing too many board games. We tend to play a lot more RPGs, but right. yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down to try it. I'd be fine. That'd be fun. Especially since Randy said he's bringing Talisman, so we can play some Talisman and some Prophecy and do some comparison. I'm planning on doing a speed version of Talisman. Me and Larry, because Larry Elliott had bounced off some ideas about speeding up the time frame. Trying to be done in two hours. The trivia game is going to be epic. Oh, I think it's going to be great. Can't wait for Big D to do that. Although, I kind of wonder about the name of the Big Bad. What? About? The name of the, the the name of the big bad guy is Omniputin. I don't know. Well, what are you talking about? Okay, the, the, the big bad guy for the uh, the the talisman like trivia game that we're playing. Oh, I missed that. Baron, yeah. His uh, his big bad is named Omniputin. Okay. Right. So I I don't know if he's trying to make a political statement, but whatever. Yeah. Putin's is uh, Putin's uh, is Putin's fault for everything yeah. at this point. Yeah, so we will uh, be gaming in two days, hardcore. Cabin conning. We'll have a report next week. Um, yeah, um, please subscribe and like this podcast. Um, thank you, Patrick, for giving us that super detailed review. And <clears throat> thanks everybody for showing up. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, like and subscribe. Um, if you would like to support our show, please like, subscribe, share where you are listening and viewing. We uh, do podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. Uh, cash support is PayPal at paypal.me slash biggestgeekus. We have a tip jar on Streamlabs, uh, Anchor on the web, www.biggestgeekuspodcast.com and email at the geeks. At biggestgeekistpodcast.com. We're on all the socials, right, Joe? Facebook, we are. Twitter. All the all the important ones, I guess. Yeah, and our videos on Odyssey and YouTube. Anything else you guys want to say before we wrap this puppy up tonight? I don't think so. We've gone long, but that's fine. That's cool. All right, guys. Well, this is Randy. And this is Joe. And this is Patrick. And remember, can't be geeks like us. No, you can't be geeks like us. Be big like us. (laughs) You guys know it. Good night.